What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Live on your home for college football Saturdays. Go dogs. Root, root, root. It's the guys from dogman.com. Good afternoon, one o'clock straight up. The Huskies might be taking the week off, but come on, we we at dogman.com, we don't take, I don't know if we even take an hour off. Never. We can't. Never. Because as soon as the three of you, either Kim, you, me, Fetters, uh, if one of if all three of us are out, we know that to prepare for a commitment. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's when it always seems to happen. It always so. does. Uh, Kim is out uh, for the second straight show because of a uh, dental thing he had to go through. So we're giving him uh, the just basically the week off. I yeah, mean, he didn't do, did he do anything this week? Teeth, yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, did he teeth. even do basketball? Did he do basketball on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I he, think did. he did. Yeah, yeah okay. He did. So he did. he did one thing. Good, yeah. good job, Kim. All right. <laughs> hey, it was important though. Yeah, exactly. I, I really shouldn't make fun of the guy who writes out our checks. Actually, it was so. yeah, it was on Monday because everything today or everything this last week was just on Monday. Yeah, because they had a game Tuesday, and then there was no practice, and then there was no practice, practice. or everything because they the, well, the team traveled yeah. to Auburn on mm-hmm. Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that's. Why we didn't have any media or anything like that, and then of course last night they lost by twenty two, um, yes. so difficult road test. Um, uh, uh, just a situation where you know Mike Hopkins has talked about it from the very very beginning of fall. He's like, we got to test ourselves. We got to find out where we're at, and I think they found out in a big hurry where they're at, and that's going against the top ten, top eleven team on the road in their environment, like a true road test. And um, you know that that Auburn team, I'll tell you, they looked. Scott, like a, some of the best Romar teams defensively in terms of just straight man pressure, really good athletes, not super tall, but just really, really rangy, going after 50-50 balls. Um, the atmosphere at Auburn looked electric, and they got down early. They got down in a hurry, and, um, you know, I mean, it was a testament that they, I mean, they got down about 30 at one point with about 15 minutes left or so, and you know, they came back, and like I said, they only lost by 22, but it could have been a lot worse. And um, some of the guys stepped up when it mattered, some of the younger guys like Jalen Noel and it's Nas a, Carter. But, they, you know, th- they've got a lot of work to do. And It's got, a good test. Yeah, it's it, a good early test. It shows these guys, hey, if you want to get to this level, yeah. this is how you're going to have to play. And even though they've got a lot of experience, they've got the, yeah. those four seniors, um, I think that really showed them that, you know, what they need to do in order to – um, kind of compete because this isn't the last true road super intense experience they're going to have because they're going to have to go to the kennel in Spokane. They got to play Gonzaga and that Gonzaga is not a top eleven team or twelve team. They're a top 
three to five team, mm-hmm. right? At least right now. Maybe that changes in the next week or two. I don't know, but um, hopefully, really, really tough game, and um, I think they learned a lot. Yeah, well, Gonzaga is on the level of Oregon as far as hatred from my my standpoint. <laughs> they're they're the Oregon of of. Uh, basketball for me okay um so um and i think most husky fans would feel kind of the same way um, sure especially i mean it's mark few i think that drives a lot of that and uh that goes the, back a long way long ways yeah with but, romar and and, mm-hmm. and some of the shady. cameron dollar yeah i think who was the kid um god who was the big tall kid who I there don't were some, remember some recruiting issues going on back then when they were trying to recruit him. Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah, that uh, there definitely was some saltiness. All right, well, we're, I'm here to talk football. Yeah, we don't need to talk about a 22 point loss last night. The, yeah. This team is still. Uh, I, I think it is uh, worthy of being right on that cusp of top 25. I think they're. A, I definitely think they're a top three team in the Pac-12. Um, the, well, yeah, they got they got Auburn's they got Auburn's best shot. Yeah. I mean, they you know they and, made twelve threes and, and yeah. Well, but but I mean, what I'm saying is people shouldn't get that concerned. I mean, this is really oh, yeah. a look. No, no, and, second and game out. See, yeah, yeah exactly. second game out. Don't don't overreact yeah. for sure. So, uh, but we're here to talk football and and real quick, I want to give you guys a uh, scoreboard update here um, on, before we really get into things. Uh, Arizona State is up on UCLA, seventeen fourteen. Uh, with about uh, 12 minutes left in the third quarter. And Colorado, Washington State went down on their first drive, and uh, Gardner Minshew uh, threw an incomplete pass on fourth and two from the Colorado 20. Colorado takes the ball right back and uh, goes 80 yards in three plays. Yeah, they had like a 70-yard run. Yeah, 70-yard run, yeah, and uh, goes over from uh, about two or three yards out, and they are up 7-0 over Washington State with about 3.53 left in the first quarter. Other than that, Oregon plays a little bit later today. They play Utah uh, in Utah, and Oregon State travels to Stanford and Cal at USC uh, to end the night, 7.30 p.m. on uh, – you know the four-letter network. So. <laughs> that, that's going to be a good game, yeah. I think. I think it's uh, it is interesting that USC still has a chance to to really much run the table at this point. If they, I think, if mm-hmm. they win out, um, you know, because Utah, you just look like Utah was going to be the team. Now Arizona State looks like they could be the team. But if US, if UCLA pulls a stunner, I mean, this is the weird thing, Scott. Seriously, UCLA could end up being the South representative. They could end up winning the conference and going to the Rose Bowl without technically being bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's scary. Well, I mean, they would get to bowl eligibility because that win would probably be their sixth win if they won the Pac-12 mm-hmm. title. But I mean, they they would get seriously. They would get to the Pac-12 title game. I think with only five wins. Mm-hmm. How that's I mean, that's crazy. Just, that's just bizarre to exactly. me. Exactly. I I think um, you know, it won't happen. No, but. I I personally think that. Uh, I honestly think Arizona's got a chance to come out of that play. As long as Khalil uh, Tate stays healthy, I think that that team has a good shot. What about what about going up to Washington State? I now I, I know obviously that Washington yeah. State's got a game today. They yeah, got to deal playing. with yeah, but but going but up there in let, November, let's be honest, Arizona. I don't, I don't believe Mike Leach is coaching this way. I don't believe the players at Washington State feel this way. But Washington State doesn't have to win another game until the Apple Cup. To win the conference. Yeah, in theory. As in long theory. as they win the Apple Cup. As yeah. long as they win the Apple Cup. Now, you want to win every game sure. if you're Mike Leach or the players, but how seriously are they going to take that? Yeah. Is it going to be as intense? I mean, it's it's really hard to know. But now, um, I was going to say, the weather and stuff like this, Scott, I mean, going to Colorado is not a big thing at all for Washington State. 
those mm-hmm. guys, the weather and all, and it looks it looks like it's great outside. It looks like sunny. it's cold, but not it's cold but it's and not sunny. Bad weather, but that's exactly what they're used to. Now those Arizona boys going up to Washington State next weekend. Huh. Yeah, no, I don't know no, what no. the weather's supposed to be over well, there. Well, this is why everyone's talking about. If anybody watched College Game Day this morning, they talked about the idea of Clemson going up to to Boston, Boston tonight. You know, and it's. That's a whole different mm-hmm. kettle of fish for those guys that are used to, you know, 80 degrees and sun all the time. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Well, it's, you know, it's just, you know, the, people are complaining about how down the Pac-12 is. Honestly, it's not great football from a standpoint of you having a couple teams that are in the top 10 battling things out. But there's still a lot of parody. And you I don't. Just, I, I think agree. Any team can beat any team I, at any week of the I season. I agree 100%. And, and I know... Um, we had an interesting discussion this week on the Dogman boards about who would win this year's game between like the 2013 version of Washington and this year's version of Washington, and and everyone wants to and the people that think maybe the 2013 team might have an edge is because they think they had to face a much tougher schedule and the Pac-12 was up that year and it was much harder. To be honest with you, Scott, I think the parity has been in the Pac-12 Pac-12 for years now. And it doesn't really matter if it's been great competition or bad competition. I still think what you mm-hmm. said absolutely applies, the, that anybody can beat anyone in any given week. Now, I think Oregon State is maybe the exception to that, but they even went to Colorado and yeah. won. Uh, so, I, mean, I, it's, it's, I think that you know, I, I personally I think anybody would wish that Washington I, – I would wish that the Pac-12 had like four legit – Top fifteen, top ten teams. Yeah, uh, I well, think sure. that's what people want, and that's why the Pac-12 isn't getting as much notice. Even if the, you know, some of these games are really fun to watch. Even if, even if it's not great football, um, it's not between two big time stellar programs. It's still good. F- it's still entertaining to watch. But yeah, it, I would think you know, for the purists, you know, if you're a neutral yeah. and you and you see California's win over Washington, for instance, that twelve ten game. You know, you, you you. I think that is a purest game. I mean, that's a game where it's defense. You get a you get a defensive touchdown that really spells the difference. But you've got a lot of drama going on as well. I mean, you've got the benching of Jake Browning. You've got Washington's ineffectiveness offensively. You've got a field position struggle. You've got special teams in you know kind of having their effect on the game as well. So I would think, yeah, as a neutral observer, you know, you might go and look at that game and go, wow, that 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 one must have been a real slugfest. And then you've got some of these other games in the Pac-12 where it feels like it's just a shootout. And so you you get a lot of of different things going on in the Pac-12. But I still think what you talked about earlier in terms of that that overriding sense of parity, I think it, it's been there for years now, and I think it's been there years irrespective of how strong the conference is or is perceived to be. Washington played 10 games before their bye. Um, We've talked a little bit about this this week. Chris Peterson has said, sure, I would have liked to have it earlier, but it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. We have to to take ours where it is. And you and I talked on Wednesday night about it being very easy. The the, the, uh, conference could, in the middle of October, they could say, these four teams have a bye week. Next week, these four teams have a bye week. The next week, these four teams have a bye week and be done with it. And everybody yeah. get it midseason. Yeah. But that being said, um, Chris Fetters uh, earlier this week did a. <laughs> what did I um, do? Well, oh. no, you did 10 takeaways <laughs> That's right. from the first 10 weeks of the season. That's so my, true. my question is what if it was um, 
week six that they were doing this. Or oh, it would have been great. I would have only had to worry about six yeah, takeaways exactly. from week six. six. Takes away. <laughs> so we're going to go through this. Uh, yeah. It's some really good discussion points. Some things I agree with you on. Some I don't necessarily agree with you on, but that's the whole point of what you wrote. See, now I've got to look back and see if I even talked yeah. about the schedule as being well, one of those you, takeaways. You talked about UW firing Chris Peterson. I mean, that, I mean, no, 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 no. Hey, now, kidding. let's, he didn't let's say be that. fair. Go, go to dog, guys, go to dogman.com. Yeah. It's on our front page. Check it out. It's a free story. And you can, you'll find out I didn't talk yeah, about Yeah, I'm Peterson just joking about that. But um, we'll go through that, uh, you know, point by point in the next segment. Uh, and uh, if you guys have any recruiting questions, we are going to talk recruiting at in the last segment of this hour and in the second segment of the 2 o'clock hour because we're going to have Greg Biggins on at uh, tw- uh, 2.15. So uh, definitely uh, send in 49451. Send in any recruiting questions that you guys might have. And if you have any other questions, we can go ahead and take your phone calls at 206-286-9595, 1-800-829-0950. You're listening to the guys from dogman.com on sports radio 950 kjr dogman.com on seattle sports radio 950 kjr welcome back you're listening to the guys from dogman.com i'm scott eckland sitting in kim grinnell's seat with chris fetters Sitting right across from me, Dylan. Thanks for coming in this morning. We really, or I guess this afternoon, we really appreciate it. Of course, guys. And uh, uh, he actually makes us sound as good as possible. Yeah, I try to. Yeah, and uh, but you know, I teased that we wanted to talk about this uh, list that you put out, Chris. And mm-hmm. um, I'd like to get through it in this segment if we possibly can. Sure. So um, let's just start off with. I'm just going to go right from top to bottom. Did okay. you prioritize them? I tried to just prioritize them with a couple general ones and then kind of went from offense to defense to special okay. teams. Okay. So, so you're, you're you, not, so yeah, is, so it's not like in list of priorities. Yeah. No, so, so in this one, you, you basically say you started off with an overall view of the team. This yeah. season is not a disappointment. Right. No, I, I just feel like anytime you have a situation where a Pac 12 team is playing for a Rose Bowl, Pac 12 championship, those kinds of those to me are baseline things. I would never consider a team that is playing for those things to be a disappointment. Now, I understand why some people would think just because of the preseason accolades and what they thought. But again, when you look at how poorly, and I'm talking, I, I include myself in this in terms of the riders, you look at teams like Miami, Wisconsin, uh, Auburn, I mean, Washington. I mean, they, these are four teams in the top 10 preseason that are going to be lucky to be ranked by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I mean, now Washington could win out, could end up maybe being close to a top ten team when it's They'll all said and done. Top fifteen, definitely, yeah. yeah. But but I mean they're gonna, but they're still going to have they have a lot of hurdles to overcome to do that. I and mean, I'll tell you beat. what, if they if they end up going to the Rose Bowl and facing either Michigan or Ohio State, yeah, that, no, I mean they, exactly. that could propel them into a top it, 10. exactly. So they've got, but they've still got a ton of work ahead of them, and especially if they go through all that. There is no way, in my opinion, that a Washington fan would say that that's a disappointing season. Well, and you so th- there's still in, it's still everything is in yeah, front of them. You throw in all of the attrition that's happened, not attrition. I'm sorry, sure. all the injuries they've had to they've had to struggle with this year, especially on just one side of the yeah, ball. It feels offense. very lopsided. Yeah, yeah, offense definitely. And I would also say too, I just put out a stat on there when people look at this, they forced 15 fumbles this year and have only gotten six of them. Yeah, last year I think they only forced 10 fumbles the entire season and got eight of them. Yeah, it's just the you know that's just Bounce how the ball, the ball bounces. That doggone pigskin. Yeah, 
Exactly. So I I get what you're saying, and and uh, um, I would I would agree with you if Washington can win out and and play for the Rose Bowl and play in the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Now remember, this is the whole point is through ten weeks. Yeah. Now if we get to the end of the season and they're eight and four, then it's or they're seven story. and five, like let's say they lose the next two games, yeah. Yeah, you now you're starting to get into well, it's one of very those, disappointing. One of those losses would be to Oregon State. Well, exactly. Well, so what I'm saying home, is at Oregon State at home. Could it still end up being a disappointment? Absolutely. Yeah. But that's the whole point. It's but kind as of, of an, today. As of today, it's still on a knife edge. It can go either way. Chris Peterson hasn't fully adapted his coaching to the team's style of play. Yeah, this particular year's style of play. And I think you look at some of the coaching decisions like not pushing the ball farther enough to try to get a, a closer field goal for Peyton Henry against Oregon or the decision to bench Jake Browning. I understand that bottom line is you can't question the desire for Peterson to try to put his teams in positions to win. I get that, but I just don't think, to me, as an outsider looking in and, and covering this team every week, I just don't get the sense that he's gotten a great feel for what they're great at yet and 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 past that and, and whether that's also you know responsible to to Bush Hamden for instance you you could put you, you know I'm not trying to assess blame so much but you could spread out the the ownership of these types of things equally and I think it's just one of those things where Washington has kind of adapted offensively very much kind of a grinded out style I mean it's just how they're just going first down to first down to first down and 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 trying to move the change as best they can and and have not really had a consistent pass or run game to really hang their hat on a lot of that again we talked about injury as being an issue the last two weeks on Monday when we meet with Chris Peterson yeah. he has said that's just kind of how we play and when he what he's referring to is it, it seems like he's kind of alluding to the fact that it's grinded out style. Well, yes, but that Washington doesn't like a lot of success. It seems like when they have a ton of success, they get out twenty one nothing on on Stanford, look like they're ready to put the boot on the back of their neck and just go in yeah. and do this. And and actually could have gone up thirty one nothing right before the half. Right. But instead um, they take a sack on fourth down. What is it? Fourth and eight, fourth and ten, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah I mean, they could, they could have kicked. They they could have sent Peyton uh, Henry out there yeah. to to try a what, what was that? What would that have been it about a forty seven yarder? Yeah, forty seven, forty eight yarder. Yeah. So longest one he's attempted right. so into the wind, into a swirling wind that we didn't really know which way it was going at that right. point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but th- this is a team that always seems to allow the other team. To have a run, and what's ironic about that, Scott? And maybe you you can disagree with this, but that to me, when you're playing down to kind of the level of your opponent in that way, to me, that's always been the hallmark of younger teams, right? Like less experienced teams. This team has so much experience from the quarterback to the running back. the The offensive line has has at least a senior on it and some veteran guys on there. I mean, I consider Nick Harris to be a, a veteran guy. At Very this point. veteran. Um, yeah. You know, and then obviously defense, ton of seniors on that group. Uh, the, the back end is full of guys that are going to end up in the league, and yet for some reason they don't they don't in, they don't have that thing where they are just being able to consistently pound it and just impose themselves to the point where the other team is just crying uncle. And and that is one aspect of it. And I would also say, too, that grinded out style is reflected in the fact that Bush Hamden and Chris Peterson and that offense, and I include the offensive coaches and all that as well because they're a part of it, they have not been able to find a way to get explosives. 
They just haven't. Yeah. I think I think Miles Gaskin his longest run is 38 yards this year. I mean, that's not Miles Gaskin-esque. Just Savon Achman, I think his longest run is less than that. And mm-hmm. that's very definitely that was not against, Savon. Uh, his longest has was against uh, Oregon, I believe, the yeah. uh, end around. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and and that's only that was only maybe that was less than 30 20, yards. It was 25 yards. Yeah, and sure. so yeah. you're you're looking at these things and you know, I think there's been a couple plays. I think the long pass, I think, has been about 55, 57, 57 yards. To and that was Quinton pounds, pounds. And yeah. Quinton's not around anymore. So you're 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 consistently having to grind it out because you don't have either the playmakers to find the explosives. They're not being taught how to get in positions where they can make explosives, or they're simply just not winning their one-on-one battles, which is on them. And there's and, and again, it all kind of comes together. So there's a few different things that I'm talking about there, but it ultimately rests on Peterson to find those answers. And he is I don't think he's really adapted his style Do you think into, so? into what they're doing well right now, which is really crying, kind of grinding it out. And and Jake Browning, he can grind it out. He's a gutty guy. He can figure it out. But they just have not been able to, to figure that intermediate think, thing going. Do you think some of that's because they have two new coordinators? Yeah, I think some of it is. Although I think, obviously, that's a lot more on, on Bush Hamden than it is yeah. on Jimmy Lake. Because the thing about Jimmy Lake is he was here, whereas Bush Hamden wasn't. Now, we he know was only Bush's, gone a year. Exactly, yeah. and we know his history with Peterson going all the way back to Boise State and playing under him and all that. So there's that, but he he wasn't here last year, and there's something to be said for yeah. that, and there's something to be saying for growing into the position and figuring out what works best, or excuse me, what works best. But when you look at a senior quarterback like Browning who's on the cusp of winning up to 40 games in a career, you wouldn't think it'd be that hard to, to kind of create – um, the chemistry needed to find out what he does well, put him in positions to succeed, and all those kinds of things. Because right now it feels like they're really struggling. It feels it, it just feels like that to me. Okay, number three, Jake Browning. Okay, and Chris, you're a wordsmith. You're a guy who means what you say and say what you mean, right? Yep. Yep. Jake Browning will only take this offense so far. My question is, could we replace Will with Can? Mm, I, either way, Jake Browning but, can only take this offense so far, or Jake Browning will only take this so far. I think it's will because of the well. There's again, there's the injury things and the and the other things that really affect what he can do. But so yeah, will can I? To me, when I look at it, I don't find that there's enough difference and distinction between the two to say there's okay. This is this is the way it's going to happen if it was will. As opposed to if he can, um, I give him a little bit more latitude in terms of being able to. I think he can do a lot of different things in this offense, but again, when he is not necessarily be given the keys to the car and 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 you know maybe the governor's on a little bit and there's some other things, I just think that there's 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 things that are limiting about the things around Jake Browning that are not going to, to, to allow him to he maximize his effectiveness. He is a guy who has to have a supporting cast. He cannot no be the central. He isn't no Marcus Tuiasasopo, right. where he puts the team on his back right. and says, "This is my. This, I'm taking you guys, just follow me. That's right. That's just not Jake Browning. And I think, to be honest with you, I find that there's few guys out there in college football that have that kind of, that kind of ability 
to literally do that to attack Vailoa a, a little but, bit. But, but the thing is, they're so overmatched. All their opponents are so yeah, overmatched, and he doesn't have to leave a pocket. Yeah, I mean, every he's clean. His his jersey clean every game, but he doesn't not need to. Yeah, right. Uh, number four, Miles Gaskin is not only really good, but also indispensable. And I I would say, and I think you say it in here. Um, look at no, actually, I don't think no, you didn't say it. If Miles Gaskin plays the full game against Oregon, he doesn't get hurt against UCLA. Oh yeah, he'd be at already at a thousand okay. yards. No, I'm not even talking about that. Okay. So if Miles Gaskin plays the entire game against Oregon, and he plays against Cal, Washington has only lost one game this season. Yeah. No, you can. I mean, for sure. I mean, you can definitely Washington say that. Washington is still in the playoff picture, and really, that is ultimately the bottom line to me. And and see, this is my fault. This is something that I don't do very well. Is that when I put this list together, half of mine, half of my mind was thinking these are true because of a negative. Because you know, so Miles Gaskin is indispensable because we saw what Washington's offense was like when he wasn't in the game. You know what I mean? And I I don't like to approach things that way. I'd like to approach it as a positive by saying this is what Washington's offense gets when Miles Gaskins in the game. But unfortunately, and this is not Miles's fault at all because he's not in the game, but we've seen just how poor they are or just how ineffective they can be when they don't have that true in between the tackles guy. I, I don't who's durable. Yeah, who I don't can know if I want to say I don't want to know I don't know I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, but right. I I don't know if I want to say uh how poor because I, I think Kamari Pleasant has been a I, – I hate to say this, this is not a pun, but a pleasant surprise this year. I I believe that Sean McGrew has actually stepped up his game. Savon Ahmed is not 100% uh, healthy. Yeah. And so I don't think we've seen the true Savon Ahmed. But the thing is, Chris, I think whereas maybe they might get three yards – yeah. Miles Gaskin gets 10. Well, and here's – and this is the thing, and I'm probably not stating it very well – I'm not saying that he's indispensable in terms of just the running back, but I'm talking about how he affects every aspect of that offense. Completely. And that's completely and, and and the thing is, maybe it's because it's like like Jake Browning, it's like his his um you know, what's the, the what's the, the blanket? The the security blanket. Yeah. You know, it's it's like one of those things where he's got guys that he knows, like you said, are are gonna maybe take a gain, no gain and turn it into a three yard gain, or take a three yard gain and turn it into a nine or ten yard gain. Um they're just things that Miles does in in terms of his intangibles that affect every aspect of what Washington's offense does and what they're capable of doing and what it puts them into when they're in shorter situations. It opens up the playbook. It allows Bush Hamden to get more creative. It just there's so many things that happen when Miles Gaskins in the game that allows Washington's offense to work effectively. Whereas, like you said, it's not that those other guys have been poor. And maybe that was a poor choice of words on my end, but they ha- they don't do those things that will allow Washington's offense to get in those advantageous situations. I, I, and see, that's where my what I said comes in is where they'll might get you three yards yeah. on third and four. Miles Gaskin is able to squeak through and get you ten yards and get you a first down. Right. So now you're not punting; you've got a new set of downs. Right. Or or maybe he. His threat to get—I mean, you could see it in the first drive against Stanford. Oh no! And, I mean, and again, that's why I'm saying obvious. you see that, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, if they had had that against Cal, yeah, you know, if they, you know, Washington wins by three touchdowns yeah, in well, that game. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's well, of course, it's Jake it, Browning isn't throwing the ball in yeah, that game. They're just yeah. running it because yeah. because well, Sean McGrew, Savon Ahmed, and 
uh, Kamari Pleasant all were running the ball relatively well until they had to throw the right. ball. Right, and the palette of those passes changes Totally. I mean, you know what I mean. It's not he's not throwing he's not throwing the intermediate or longer routes now. Now is all of a sudden because they're in shorter situations. Maybe they can take shots over the top, or maybe they can run some different things that allow them that so that yeah. they they have a lot more freedom. And I think maybe to just that do wheel it, route things up. Maybe that wheel route to uh, Sean McGrew that went for what 30, 40, 40, 40, 40 yards, yards, whatever yeah. it was. Maybe Miles Gaskin because of who he is in the open field. Yeah. Is able to get a touchdown out of that, yeah. and and because right after that play, I isn't that when Washington threw the interception? I have to go back and look. Right after that, but but whatever it was, right? It's it was a it was a big play that could have been even bigger. So yeah. let's get to the next one, number five. Jared Hilbers has been the biggest surprise along the offensive line. Do you think so? No. Okay. I complete. Oh, okay. I should say he has been a nice surprise and when he's been in there you can noticeably see the difference in the confidence of the offensive line right but right guard Jackson Kirkland to me I didn't I didn't expect him to have the kind of season he's having he's made some mistakes don't get me wrong yeah but I thought he's been one of the better more consistent offensive linemen I'll agree with everything you say there the only reason I say Jared Hilbers has been the biggest surprise again I'm looking at it from the negative perspective but then again I'm also taking the entire season into account and there you look at a guy like Jackson Kirkland and you give him full props for stepping in against Auburn and looking not so much like a like the stage a veteran isn't too big but, for but him. it wasn't big and it yeah. wasn't too big for him you're absolutely correct. The reason why I give Jared Hilbers the edge over Jackson Kirkland, and I think both of them are. I think they're both big surprises. The reason why I say Jared Hilbers is because, first of all, he's replacing an All-American, and he's replacing the, the, the biggest position on the offensive line. Because the blind side of a right, uh, right-handed right quarterback is going to be the most, most important guy. Outside of maybe, you could argue center, I get it, and that's that would lead us to our next my next thing. Yeah, it is. But well, why I don't think, we, why don't we just tackle. state it? His sixth point is Nick Harris is the offensive line MVP. Yeah. So let's go. Let's continue this discussion. Right. So uh, to be honest, I just I just think that left tackle is so important, and Hilbers was so good when he was in there, and then we saw what happened at Cal when he wasn't in there, and just how how important it was. And they just struggled. I mean, Henry Roberts and and Henry Bainavalu, they're. They're they're good. They're good players. I know Henry especially. He's very young. He's going to get a lot better, but they struggled mightily. And I think a guy like Jared Hilbers, if he had been 100% in that game, that could have been enough to change some of the things in terms of some of the runs. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they get a little bit more because he's just playing at a little different level. That's why I think he's been the biggest surprise because when Trey Adams went down, now all of a sudden you're looking, okay, wait a second. They lost an All-American. How do you replace that guy? And to be honest with you, as well as Jackson Kirkland played it against Auburn and as uh, well as he played on that big stage, I thought Jared Hilbers was really, really good in that game. Yeah. Considering the stakes and considering what he was asked to do, mm-hmm. I, I just, I've just been more impressed, I think. Okay. I, I don't think your argument is invalid. I would just argue that a uh, redshirt freshman stepping in no. like like Kirkland has. I get I, it. I think there's arguments on either side. I don't think I get it. I don't think either one of us is really wrong. But I would also say too when he gets to play against a, a, an all Pac-12 guy like Caleb Gary, that helps. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, that and helps. Nick Harris and right in the middle. Right. You know, right next to uh, it can't do anything but help him whereas Jared Hilbers has been a you know what? You're starting to sway me toward your side. <laughs> I'm just glad this isn't okay. a political discussion cuz Chris Fetters and I couldn't be more opposite when it comes to a political discussion. So, we'd be yelling at each other right now. But, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to number 7. Greg Gaines has more than proven his worth. 
Yeah, and and just real quick on Nick Harris. To me, he's the offensive line MVP. All those disagree. good things and all, and even Caleb McGarry is, is he solid. He holds it all together. Nick Harris, we saw. I mean, it just when he is not in that game, it's a whole mm-hmm. different animal. Part of that is because the step down from him to right. the next guy. Not right. not to criticize Jesse Sosby, not to criticize. Well, Cole it's Norgard. hard. You're snapping the ball. Yeah, You're having to do a ton yeah, of different there's things. There's so many and, things that go into being a center, it's and ridiculous. also the transition is so seamless. You know, you would have thought he'd be a center there for a couple years, and people have to remember Auburn was his first game at center. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy part, and he's looked like he's looked the part like he was like he's been there forever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. And then again, Greg Gaines. I mean, I'm sorry, but we all thought when Vita Vea left, he would obviously be the focal point. He would be the guy that everyone would rally around, and he has not disappointed. I not think in all. the least when he's. I think he's he fourth. He doesn't put up big numbers. He's fourth or fifth in tackles yeah, right now, he, total tackles. He, he is. He had a 10 tackle that's, game one That's one, incredible for a defensive middle, tackle yeah. like that. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Greg Gaines, the things that he does to help that defense, especially the front seven, yeah. it doesn't show up in the stat book. I mean, it, it really doesn't, even yeah. though he's getting all these tackles and stuff. that. But what he's called on to do, he's a two-gap player. Right. He is not a one-gapper that gets up the field. He is a two-gap player. Every now and then he can, you know, explode up the field and do what he needs to do. Sure. But his job is to take up blockers. Yep. It really is. It's to it's to cause problems in the middle of the def- well, offensive defensive line, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Cause problems in there allowing players like Ben Burkirvan, who we're going to get to in a second, yep. like Tevis Bartlett, like Benning Potoai, who I think has really started to step up toward the end of this this uh, yep. you know the, this stretch run here. Yep. He's not getting to the quarterback like we want to, but right. every everything else he is he's having an all pack twelve kind of a season, I think. But Greg Gaines just does things that allows everybody else to succeed. Right, and he obviously he's got Levi Onzerike, he's got Jalen Johnson around him. I think they really all kind of help each other a little bit, but he's still anchoring things, and it's it's not quite like Vita Vea, whereas you know when Vita was kind of the middle of all that stuff, and with Vita doing everything that he did, that allowed all those other guys to kind of rack up all the stats. Now it's a little different, where all three of those guys are kind of kind of getting theirs a little bit, but still, again, great gains. Fourth and on the team in tackles as as the nose tackle. That, I mean, that's really, really I could good. talk about Greg Gaines for the rest of our show. Yeah, I, I mean, love this just... guy, but unfortunately we can't because yeah. we've got to move on. we got three more to go. Ben Burke-Kirvin is the team MVP. Uh, is there any argument? I'm I, serious. 134 I tackles? Can. I don't think you can. If, if Jake Browning had had been having the kind of season we thought a fourth-year quarterback should have yeah. or if Miles Gaskin had been healthy the whole time, right. I would say there's a bit of an argument, but at this point, there's really no argument. See, and I think that's that's those are things that you have to take into account. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But at the same time, Scott, they are both playing on offense on a, in a in a situation where that particular side of the ball has just not been productive. Even if those guys start, if they even if those guys had played a lot better, like you said, if Miles Gaskin was healthy all year, he might be at a thousand yards or plus right now. But they're still only averaging twenty what twenty six twenty seven points a game. Washington's defense is as good as it's been the last three, four years, including the 2016 team. I mean, statistically, they're right there. And this guy anchors everything. He's right in the middle of everything. Mm -hmm. Washington has not... I mean, Mason Foster in 2010 had 163 tackles. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you don't see that anymore. Guys just don't do that. And for him to be in that realm where he can do that, 
just to put it in perspective historically, 163 tackles, that's the most since 1989 with James Clifford. Well, that's a lot. Yeah, and so Ben Burkirvan can be in that yeah. realm. I mean, that's historical uh, stuff. And the, the only criticism I have ever had for Ben Burkirvan. It well, you've had a few. I've had a bit, but it's the, the biggest one that I've had is the reason why I don't think he'll, and you, you'll disagree with me, but we got to get going. We got to get these last two in. Sure. Um, the, he doesn't, he has forced a few fumbles this year and everything like that. He's not making the explosive plays. He's not playing behind the line of scrimmage very much. He's not, he doesn't have the extra weight to take on guys in the hole and stop them right there. It's usually a two or three yard gain or maybe even four or five yard gain. And that is why a lot of people, including me, okay, will say that Ben Burkirvan, while he's putting up these big numbers, even though he might be the MVP of the – he is the MVP. I would fully agree with you that he is the MVP of the team. I think there's there's meat being left on the bone if he was just a little bit bigger. I, I think there's some some things that he could be doing that that he isn't able to do because of his lack of size. Is there some things that he's doing right now because he has that size and isn't isn't necessarily well, bigger? The way I look we at saw it that is speed. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but there's a lot of okay. They, they might get a bigger guy in there that doesn't okay. have the speed he has. I get that. Okay, but what from a team? If Washington is really an elite top ten team, like they were to start the season, yeah, Ben Burkirvan should not be your starter at middle linebacker. He should be a role player for you. Maybe even maybe even the will, but for your Mike, I I'm not saying um, that Azim Victor was you know right. all world or anything like that. Yeah. But a guy with his size. But when he was at his best, oh, that that defense was rolling. Yeah. But and you but, know as well as anyone, Scott, that, yeah. that these guys are not cookie cutter recruiters. No, they aren't. They aren't. And and, and it is what it is. I get it. I, that's the biggest criticism that I've had. You yeah. cannot criticize his productivity. Right. You can't. Yeah. I. I mean. I. I. Like. I look like a fool arguing that this guy isn't. Well. At, you know, I, I just find it. I just find that. it. I just find it tough that the only criticism he has is something he can't control. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's so, that's tough. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. Two more. The secondary depth has lived up to the hype. I don't think there's really any argument about that, especially no. when you lose your third best or at least your third most important guy. To having to retire right. in, in Austin. Well, here, here's the thing, Scott. It's one thing to have the potential. We always talk about potential, and for a coach, the, that, that word is the worst word in the English language because it doesn't mean you've done it, means you've done nothing so far. It just means you could do something. And so when we talk about that secondary depth and the guys that Jimmy Lake has recruited, everyone knows how all world these guys are, like Kyler Gordon, mm-hmm. Julius Irvin, Dominique Hampton, and Keith Taylor, and Elijah Molden, and the guys ahead of them, the guys like, mm-hmm. you know, like um, Byron, Byron Murphy, Murphy and, and Jordan Miller. And Jordan Miller and all these guys. Everyone knows about those guys, Buda Baker, and all the way back. Bottom line is, until you do something, mm-hmm. who knows? It's, Jordan it, it, Miller, ha- well, go ahead. No, but, but, but the point being is, they have literally never had any drop off when they've gone from class to class mm-hmm. to class to class. I wouldn't necessarily say they've gotten better and better because the bottom line, they're putting NFL guys in. If, if, but the, the, all these yeah. guys if have Jordan NFL Mil- potential, and they're showing right away 
that they could like Keith Taylor, for instance. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. how good he if, played against If Carlton. Jordan Miller had been right physically, Keith Taylor would not be starting. He's starting now because yeah. Jordan or Jordan Miller is dinged up. He's got a bad ankle. Yeah. But the thing is, Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor would be two year starters at a lot of places. Oh, for sure. At least. And neither of them are they're both backups at this point. Yeah. Then you got uh then you got you talk about Brandon McKinney. He would probably be a starter at most of the Pac twelve. Yep. He is a backup. Yep. You talk about Julius Irvin, Dominique Hampton, Kyler Gordon, who you mentioned, all three of those guys would be starting at most of the 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 secondaries in the country. And even a guy like Elijah or uh, Isaiah Gilchrist, because of JoJo McIntosh's yeah. ejection, had to play a ton against Stanford. Did you guys really notice mm-hmm. a ton of drop off? No. I didn't. I mean, he he played. I thought he played very, very well. Was very underheralded. I'm not saying he can immediately come in and be JoJo McIntosh, but I thought for what he was asked to do, I thought he did a nice job. Last one, special team. We got one minute, so yep. we got to do it fast. Special teams have been frustrating at best. Again, Peyton Henry, I think overall has done a good job, but in the real the moments miss. that mattered, the big that, miss. He, it, it it didn't cost them the game because it doesn't. I I fully understand what Chris Peterson says. It doesn't come down to one play. But he could have won them the game, yeah. and it wasn't a tough kick. And it wasn't it. The wind wasn't blowing. It was good weather. Right. It was good snap. Everything was good. And and then but the kickoffs have the been kickoff, frustrating. Now really the kickoff returns have been frustrating. But I think the coaches have started to figure that out, and they've got some younger guys in there. Yeah. That's why. That's well, why. But you're guys talking like, about cover. You're not yeah. talking about return. You're oh talking well, about the kick cover the returns. It, the problem is we got spoiled with John Ross. Oh sure. And Dante, Dante Pettis. Pettis. The, one of them was explosive as hell. The second one was the is the greatest punt returner in college football yeah. history. But what about a quick opinion from you? Would you re, would you still go with Aaron Fuller type, or would you go with Byron Murphy, who's Murphy. more explosive? But you don't know he might not catch it as many times. I I think I think what I would do is if it's a deep punt, like back on the ten yard line, maybe yeah. have Aaron Fuller because right. maybe you're more sure handed. Right. But when it's more in between the twenties, right. Byron Murphy in there, let him do his thing. I'd like to the, see it. The only reason why I wouldn't is if if it's if I'm tenuous on losing him too to an injury, now I've got my two starting corners out. Even right. as even as deep as the secondary is that we just talked about. Yeah, other than hands, yeah, I think I'd, yeah. I'd love to see what Byron Murphy too. could do. And and who knows? Byron Murphy's got great hands. No, no, no. But I'm it, talking about like a hands yeah. team. Yeah, like exactly. if you're in fourth quarter and all you need to do is catch the punt. Yeah, put in Aaron yeah. Fuller. He's he's shown exactly. that he can I'd do like it. to see it more. Yeah. We're a little long on this segment. The next one will be a little short, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit of in-state recruiting here coming up. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back. Short segment to get caught up. We went a little long in our uh, 10 takeaways from the first 10 weeks of the season. Chris Fetters did a great job with that. Go to our front page if you guys want to read his take on things. And then listen to our podcast afterwards. Dylan's going to post that uh, maybe an hour after um, we're... Yeah, maybe even sooner. Usually I can get it done in like 20 minutes. But if you want to hear the correct answers to to the 10 takeaways, because that's my takeaways, then then that's what you want to do is listen to the podcast afterwards. So. Go read it, and then if you want the real 10 takeaways, then listen to mine. Anyway, uh, just kidding. Anyway, we're going to just do a quick preview. We're going to talk to Greg Biggins at uh, 2.15, and uh, you guys should definitely stay tuned for that. But uh, we only got a little bit of time. I want to talk about not 2019, guys, because Dylan Morris and Nate Kalepo are the only two play. Alfonso Tupatala. Oh, Alfonso Tupatala. So Alfonso Tupatala from Federal Way. 
He uh, is out of the playoffs. His team lost in Week 10. Dylan Morris is actually playing today. Brandon Huffman's down there. I'm going to text him and see if I can get a update on how Dylan is playing. And Ryland Spencer, our friend Ryland Spencer, went yep. to see Rainier Beach beat Lincoln on the road last yeah. night. Upset win, 14-7 last Crazy. night. And uh, Nate Kleppo actually got moved to right tackle. He, he had been playing left tackle. They moved Uh-oh. him to right tackle, and they put someone in else in at left tackle. Okay. And uh, they got the win, and Ryland said that Nate played really well. He says he's still got a ways to go before I think he'll be ready to play, but he said from last year at this time to this year, yeah. he is a completely different player. Hmm. And he, he loves the progress he's made. He says he's still got a ways to go, but he's made a lot of progress, and I, that has to bode well. Do you agree with me that I, that – I think the move to right tackle, and I'm not saying that it's the the thing they needed to do now, but it certainly makes sense when I've always seen Nate and physically, he's always looked like a right tackle to me. I don't I don't know if you feel the same way, but I've always kind of felt like he oh, had yeah. the. I you never look at a guy like Caleb McGarry, and you look at I mean, to me, he fe- it feels like he could he he would be a great right tackle. Yeah. Oh no, and I've I've said that for a while. Um, both Brandon Huffman and I have been saying either guard, yeah, or right tackle. Yeah. So, um, but uh, he he uh, is is definitely having a good senior season, and uh, we'll have to see. Last year he took them, he helped take them all the way to the state finals, uh, where they lost to O'Day. Yeah. Now they're in the round of sixteen, and uh, I'm sorry, this was the round of sixteen. Now they're in the semifinals. Uh, the round of eight. Now so. going to, going to Dylan Morris with Graham Kapowson. Is it possible that Graham Kapowson and uh, Mount Sai could meet? Because you're talking about oh uh, yeah, 11, I, you're talking about I, elite you know eleven what? type guys. You know what? I don't up. I don't know uh, what the bracket looks like. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what side of the bracket they're on. Mount Sai just won like they won last thirty eight. Yeah, they won last night versus yeah. Mount Vernon. Okay, and then but then they're playing Puyallup this weekend. Gotcha. And Ooh. this coming weekend yeah. in Puyallup. Is really really I, good. Y'all have got to be the odds on favor right now. No, to win state, Union, right? Union, really? Yeah, okay. Union's Union's the number one team. They they downed uh, Skyline. I was like fifty to fifty 10? to fourteen. Okay. Oh no, fifty to ten. You're right, fifty to ten. So it was bad. But I want to I want to talk actually about some of the younger guys coming up in the in okay. the uh, um, next couple of years in in state. We only have gosh, only about a minute and a half to talk about them. So we've talked about JT Tui Malau out of. Um, out of Eastside Catholic. We've right. talked about G. Scott out of Eastside Catholic. We've talked about DJ Rogers out of Eastside Catholic. We've talked yeah. about Aiden Hector out of Eastside Catholic. Yeah. Two of those guys have, and Sam Adams Sam now Adams. Out, out of Eastside Catholic. Three of those guys have offers from the University of Washington. Right. I have seen G. Scott play. I have seen DJ Rogers play. Um, I just don't know if they're going to end up um, fitting. That was softy. Oh, what do you have to say? I think he flipped me off. Oh. Well, isn't that him waving hi to us? I think that he was telling me uh, he, he he's enjoying the show. I think is what it was. Yeah, the one finger wave. Yeah. It's nice. Nope. We got a minute, Fetters. What what do you think? Do you, I mean, you haven't seen enough of those guys. You're well, not as involved is, in the. Well, it is kind of fun. You just seeing the reaction on the message boards when a mm-hmm. guy like Sam Adams get offered, and and people they look at these things in very black and white terms. They mm-hmm. look and they say, okay. Washington doesn't have a big running back in this group, like a LeVon Coleman-style guy, downhill runner. And you look at Sam Adams, he's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's getting offered by the likes of Ohio State and some of these other things. And then all of a sudden, Washington offers, and their first reaction is, why did it take him so long? Yeah. 
And yeah. Sam Adams said, I don't care. Yeah. It, they told me from the beginning how long it was going to take. We're going to continue this discussion after sure. the after the break. We're going to talk about Savelle Smalls and some of these other guys that are coming up. There's a lot of really good young players. Stay tuned. If you got any questions, 494-51 on the text line. You're listening to the guys from dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Welcome back. Saturday afternoon, the bye week. Yep. These players are so soft. They take a week off. <laughs> we journalists, we are hard workers. Yeah. I mean, come on. And if anybody thinks that I'm actually being serious, just please turn off the radio. It's, yeah, that's not true. Uh, just a quick scoreboard. Uh, real quick, my name's Scott Eklund. I'm sitting in here for Kim Grinolds, who's playing injured right now, and, and so we told him to take the day off. Uh, Chris ZL. Yeah, Chris Fetters and I are both sitting in here, happy to talk Husky football. If you guys want to uh, have a recruiting question answered, please send us a text at 49451. Greg Biggins is coming up at 215. We're going to have him on with us and uh, get a lot of questions in on West Coast recruiting, Husky recruiting in California. There's a couple big-time guys that Washington's in on and may, may be able to reel in late. Uh, these are talking. We're talking five star guys, like national yeah. recruits. So, oh yeah. So um, Greg, that's what people want. Greg will have those answers we, for us. And we give what the we we give the people what they want. Yes, it's exactly. As simple as that. Exactly. And, and they've been clamoring somebody, for big. Somebody asked on our board, "Could you please talk about these two players?" Yep. And I said, "Hey." Craig Biggins is on with us. Uh huh. That's not going to be a problem. Nope. So he's and right. It's his wheelhouse. Yes, exactly. For especially these two guys. Oh, for these sure. Are two that he's been covering. For I'm a trying while. to think of a top top guy in Southern California he didn't have a personal relationship with. Yeah. It's hard to know. Exactly. Dylan, thanks for coming in. We appreciate yep. you being in here, running the board for us. We really appreciate that. Uh, we'll get to us. We'll get to the rest of our uh, discussion on some of the younger. Um, 2020, 2021, even 2022. If there's some guys that that uh, I can I can n- name off that I was uh, say I don't know if I oh, know I do. a 2022. Oh, guy. there is one. I know of at least one. Okay. I know of at least actually two. I know of at least two. Oh. So that are worth talking about. So, um, but we're gonna get to that in a second. I'm gonna get you guys a quick scoreboard update. If you're interested in rivalry games, Bedlam is going on right now. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, yeah. Oklahoma State. Was up twenty-one to fourteen, and uh, Oklahoma's gone on to score the last thirteen points. Uh, we're at four fifty-seven left in the second quarter. Oklahoma leads twenty-seven to twenty-one. Tennessee up over uh, number eleven Kentucky, seventeen nothing. Mm. Kentucky um, has looked pretty good this year, and then um, but Tennessee is only four and five on the season, one and four in the SEC. That's uh that's not a good score from a Kentucky standpoint. In the Pac-12, there are two games going on currently: UCLA and Arizona State down in Tempe. Arizona State 31-21, uh, with about 3:56 left in the fourth quarter. So UCLA looks like they could be falling to two and eight on the season, while Arizona State gets to uh, six and four in bowl eligibility. Yeah, it looks like UCLA's just got the ball back, but you know, again, two score game. Yeah, and looks, that's looks not tough. a that's not an explosive offense, especially yeah. with Wilson Spate or Wilton Spate at the yeah. quarterback. He's twenty and twenty five, two sixty eight 
uh, and a touchdown. So he's having a decent uh, game so far. And oh, Benjamin, geez, Louise, 31 yeah, carries, 186 yards and a touchdown. So you think he's the best running back in the Pac-12 right now? Boy, there are some good ones. Uh huh. Um, the OSU guys are the ones that I'm surprised people aren't talking about. Yeah. Like Jamar Jefferson. The well, true there's freshman. a reason. That, I mean, but, it's because it's OSU. But he's That's a thousand why. yard back. No, already. I, I fully freshman? agree with you. I fully agree with you. I'm just yeah. uh, JJ Taylor to me yeah. is the best running back in the conference. Okay, but Eno Benjamin is right there. Okay. Is it Eno or Eno? Eno, Eno, Eno. Benjamin. Yeah. yeah. And and then the big game, the one that probably a lot of Huskies uh, fans are paying attention to over on that four letter network, uh, ten to seven, Washington State, uh, with about twenty one seconds left in the second quarter, down in Colorado. So yeah, look, uh, that's yeah. a big game. Looks like it's going to go to halftime. Ten yeah. seven. Washington State basically can lose the next two games. They can lose this week and next week, and still be playing for the conference title game. Uh, in the Apple Cup. Washington has to win this next coming week. They play Oregon State. You don't take teams uh you don't take teams any teams lightly in the Pac twelve. No. But Washington, let's be honest, they should win that game. If they win that game, then the Apple Cup is for all the marbles to go to the Pac twelve championship game. And who they face, we have no idea because no. every team in the Pac twelve <laughs> South is either four uh, let's see. Five and four, or four and five, or five and four. Yeah, exactly. Except so, for yeah, yeah. Except for UCLA. Yeah, UCLA is not. UCLA could get. They're two, two and four, yeah. but they're not going to get there. So no, they're going to so. lose today. So anyway, so um, just a really, really uh, important games uh, this weekend. Uh, we're talking about one right now. The the uh, Washington State Colorado game. Oregon takes on Utah down in Salt Lake City at two thirty uh, today. Here in about a. 24 minutes. Oregon State travels to Stanford, 6 o'clock kickoff, and Cal takes on USC at 7.30 to end the end the night. I'm going to I'm gonna enjoy that game. I think yeah. that'll be a fun game to watch. I'm going to be out with my wife, so we're actually doing a date night in the middle of football season. That's we good. That doesn't usually happen. She's earned it. Yes. She's earned, well, <laughs> she, Chris, the fact that she's put up with my crap for over nine years, hey. uh, it's... She's earned it. I was trying. I was trying to be delicate about it. I guess I don't know. (laughs) All right, let's continue talking our our discussion. We talked about. So, oh, real quick, I did forget one more thing. If you guys want to be on our newsletter, you guys, it's very easy to sign up. You go to Chris. What is the email address? It's huskystadium at gmail dot com. Huskystadium is one word. And in the subject line, they put newsletter. And in the body of the email, nothing. Or just put your name and your email address, although you're going to be sending it via yeah. your email address. So you don't even need to put your, don't you don't need, need to, to do put that. anything in there. Nope. You can tell us how much we suck or you can tell us how great we are. Oh yeah. You can it's, put a whole letter yeah. in there telling us yeah. the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm just going to tell you, Kim Grinnells is the one who usually gets those Yeah, and he doesn't have the attention span to actually read anything over like two or three lines. Oh yeah, any yeah anything beyond a sentence. So will be I too wouldn't long. really do that. Yeah, too long didn't. So read. yeah, T what is it? TLDR. TLDR. Yeah, TLDR. All right, let's get to um, our the the underclassmen. Um, we talked a little bit about the Eastside Catholic guys from the twenty uh, twenty class right. as well as the twenty twenty one. Just so people know, JT Tui Malau is rated the number one player in the country. Yeah. In the 2021 class, we're not talking the number one defensive tackle or defensive end. We're talking the number one overall player that has never happened in the state of Washington. Right. The closest it's been, Foster Sorrell. Okay. Yeah. 
He was number three or five, depending on the service that you read. Well, what's crazy you is you've got you've got Tua Malau, who's the number one guy for 2021, but then for 2020, you've got a guy from Seattle and Savelle Smalls, mm-hmm. who's the number three rated overall guy. Yeah. I mean, in back-to-back years like that, I can't remember when that's happened. Yeah, and we asked Brandon Huffman last week, uh, not on Saturday, we asked him on our Wednesday show about um, where Washington stood with Savelle Smalls, in 2020, and JT Tuomalau in 2021. Yeah. So, Savelle Smalls, Brandon Huffman said he's starting to come back around and he thinks Washington has a decent shot at reeling him in, whereas maybe a couple months ago, none of us thought Washington had much of a shot. Right. Because he, he just, he seemed like that guy who had his eyes set in other directions. But he started to come back around and I think he started to realize how important family is to him. And how important it is for them to be able to see him play every week. Also, just you know, he's he's put some stuff out on his Instagram account and Twitter, and whatever, because he went and taunting he, he fans. Took, he took an he took an obviously an un, we call it unofficial visit, but he basically just went to the game against Stanford, and um, you know they they put they they you know allow him to be in gear, full gear, uh, like playing gear, like he's playing, yep. and they take pictures and all that kind of stuff. So basically, he's putting stuff out on Twitter. He's like, how does this look? And all this. And Nate Kalepo. Yeah, you, you hear the recruits are like, you look good. Are you, does that mean something? You know, and then just, uh, it's not so just they, that. He said future teammates. Yeah, question mark. Yeah, and and and, uh, and you know, and basically, Savelle Savelle said they like, are ready they, for yeah, that. He's like, are you guys ready for that? He's yeah. Like, but here's what's interesting about all of that is that Savelle also tweeted out in the last couple of days that he is going to be at the Apple Cup. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting too. I mean, you don't see a ton of guys from this side of the state that, that are go over to go all the way there, and yeah. especially guys that I. Okay, now maybe this is just my opinion. I haven't seen a lot of interest on his behalf in terms of looking at Washington State. So I would think he's going to the Apple Cup with one team in mind. And 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 like I said, you you don't normally see that kind of uh, that kind of move from a Seattle kid going all the way across the state day after Thanksgiving. And uh, and kind of put that kind of effort in. So I th- I think that's I don't know if that's telling, but I certainly find it interesting. The other 2021 guys worth talking about: Sam Heward, quarterback from Kennedy. You might recognize the last name. He's Damon Heward's son, Luke. Or I'm sorry, not Luke. Well, it is Luke Heward's nephew as well, but it's Brock Heward's, uh, and he actually looks like Brock Heward throwing the ball because they're both lefties. <laughs> so, that's right. No, that's right. Yeah, and uh, um, and then he's got a, a host of wide receivers, including Jabez Tenay and Junior Alexander, who are big-time wide receivers. There's also Emeka Egbuka, big-time wide receiver from Stillicum, Stillicum yeah. uh, for the 2021 class. The he, 2021 he got, class? He got offered. Yeah, he? he has been offered by the University of Washington. So um, real quick, jumping back before mm-hmm. we get too far ahead with the Kennedy guys, um, do you expect – what do you think is going to happen with regards to Washington and, and possibly getting offered by them? Who? The, the Kennedy kids? Tanae, Tanae and, and uh, Junior I think all three will get offers. Okay. I think all three okay. will eventually get offers. I don't think Washington wants to offer them right now. I okay. think they want to wait just a little bit longer. Gotcha. I think they'd like to get them at camp and, and have them again because uh, they've already had those guys in camp. Gotcha. And I think they'd like to get them again and make the offer then. I think the offer comes this summer at some point. Okay. Just an opinion. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but – that's my opinion. That's how I see it going. I I don't think you cannot offer um, uh, Junior Alexander and Jabez Tanay is putting up huge numbers now. Granted, he's putting it up again with 
uh, in a wide open offense and everything like that. You don't want to just want to go on numbers, right. but he is he is a quintessential um, slot guy, and right. I think Washington could really go after him. Two, uh, three names that you guys definitely want to know in the uh, twenty twenty two class. So these are guys who are just freshmen this year. Um, the names that you want to know are uh, David Ayuli out of Puyallup. Okay. He is a 6'4", 340-pound left tackle. He's going to play guard in college. We're all pretty sure he'll play guard. Okay. He plays for Puyallup. And if you get a chance to see Puyallup, look at left tackle. That's David Ayuli. And then you got Andrew Tillett, a defensive tackle out of Sumner, 6'2", 285. Started both ways uh, for uh, Sumner. Very good team. Okay. Uh, started both ways, but he's a defensive tackle at the next level. And the last name to remember, and I thought I had him on here, but I'm not seeing him. He, oh, there he is. Deshaun Misa. He's a okay. linebacker from Eastside Catholic. He's 6'1", 200 pounds right now as a true freshman. He's more of an outside linebacker, more like a Sam. He'll he'll be he'll probably be in the 6'2", 6'3", range in about 225 when he graduates. Wow. This kid is special. Absolutely All special. Right. All right. So those are the three names to remember in that class. We're going to get to a break. When we come back, Greg Biggins is going to join us, and we're going to talk a lot of recruiting on the West Coast. Washington's going to is on some really, really, really big time guys from Southern California, and Greg Biggins is going to break it all down for us. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. If there was ever a guy that we know at dogman.com that embodies Maverick, it's this guy coming up. I mean, come on. Greg Biggins from, I almost said Scout, from 24-7. Yeah, you almost did. One One of the top recruiting guys. Greg, how long have you been doing this? You know I wanted more Top Gun, man. I was into that. <laughs> we could give you, we could give you a little right of the there. Toto song from that, that as well. Take my breath away. Uh, you know what? I, I'm not feeling the Toto, okay. but I was definitely, <laughs> definitely into. No, it's been like 20 plus years. 95, 96, 97. Around then is when I first got started. So it's been a while. So hold on one second, Greg. Since we are, since we are talking about Top Gun, we're reminiscing which, about our high school days. Which right? guy really were you in Top Gun? I mean, you were. He's Iceman. Come on. Was he? Are, are you Iceman? Really? Okay. You know, I, I kind of see myself a little with a little bit, little bit of Maverick. You know, when I was a little bit younger, I had a kind of a rebellious, didn't really care that much for authority. I was a, I was a pretty decent kid, not a great kid. I listened to my parents, but not very many uh, other people. So had that little rebellious. I'm, I'm good now, though. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. good now. But right. I, I can, you weren't. You weren't. I kind of relate to Maverick back when I was young. Okay. So no Hollywood. No, no Wolfman. Well, and his, his wife is no. much prettier than Kelly McGillis, yeah. too. So no Goosey. Oh, thank you for saying that. Man, you're kind for saying that because she was pretty smoking. Oh, Kelly McGillis is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. but Big time. Big but time. You, are, you outkicked your coverage. Come on, we all know that. I didn't I want to hijack that, that I, too much. I appreciate that. I totally agree with you. <laughs> uh, Greg Biggins, thanks for joining us today and taking part of your Saturday out. Uh, you're going to a game tonight, by the way. Modern Day versus Mission Viejo, right? 
No, that was last oh, night. Oh, I'm sorry. That... Is a, uh, it's a makeup game. It's Jay Sarah versus Oaks Christian. Okay, so, gotcha. So you just saw, what, one or two good recruits last night? Just one or man, two? Man, <laughs> there, was a, there was a lot of them. Modern day is really unreal. You know, they got 30 guys with offers right now, and, and Mission Viejo is really good, and it looked like a, a JV team playing a varsity team. So tonight should be a little more evenly matched. Oaks Christian's got, you know, Zach Charbonnet and Kayvon Thibodeau, Jay Sarah. Uh, you know, they they got a bunch of really good receivers, Tariq Lockett, Munir McClain, some good young kids as well. So it should be good. It should be a fun time. Well, thanks for joining us, Greg. We want to talk a lot of Husky recruiting. There's a couple guys that people just want to know about. And and I don't think I can – I think if they were sitting here and they – in the booth with us right now, they'd have a gun to my head saying, ask Greg about these two guys right now, okay? Um, okay. Brew McCoy and Kyle Ford. People want to know what's going on with them. I know Kyle Ford, for those who don't know, he's a wide receiver from Orange Lutheran. He tore up his knee, right? Yes, he okay. did. So he tore, up his knee. he tore up his knee about a month and a half ago, right? Yep. Yeah. So he's been out, but... Washington, I don't want to say they're the favorite. Greg, you might correct me. I don't want to say they're the favorite, but they're definitely the team uh, in a really good spot for them. Yeah, Matt, I don't know if I would say he has a favorite. I think he's still pretty open, but I, I think Washington's doing a great job. They're in a great spot. You know, if someone had a gun to my head right now and, and say, hey, where do you think today is signing day? I, I Honestly, I think UW might be the school. For some reason, I know early on everybody had him like 100% crystal ball to USC. I never got a USC vibe from him. I always kind of thought like, you know what, I, I could see him going somewhere else and kind of leaving the area. So, you know, Oregon's in the mix and so is Colorado. Those were his, uh, his three official visits. And he's also going to visit Michigan. But I think Washington, I think he really uh, – I think he connected well with the coaching staff, Lubick and Bush and Coach Pete. He's got friends of the, friends of the team there. He really likes the idea of, of playing uh, in that offense. He, you know, they've kind of sold him on the, on the idea of, hey, you know, we have NFL DBs every year. You can practice against those guys. That's how, that's how you get better. So there's really a lot going for UW right now. So I think they got a great chance. Uh, Kyle Ford is 6'2", 212. To me, he seems bigger now. I, I know that our, our heights and weights are pretty good in the database, but 6'2", 212, he looks bigger than that to me. You know, he does. You know, he, that, that's what he measured at the Nike camp in L.A. and then at the opening. So he's a guy you look at, you know, like, this guy looks like he's 6'4", and 230. I mean, cause he's, he's jacked. I mean, he's got arms that look like people's legs and just a big, strong, physical kid. But every time he comes to an event and gets measured, it's always 6'2", between 210 and 215. So the next guy I'm going to ask you, I have never felt like Washington. I, I Washington got a visit out of him, and I think he, he does like Washington, but I don't think they have a legit shot. I honestly only think one school that really has a legit shot, and that's USC. But uh, modern days, uh, Brew McCoy, you saw him last night. He's 6'2 and a half, 2'12", so he and Kyle Ford are basically the same size. What's going on with him? Um, there were some rumors Washington might uh, get a, a, a visit out of him, but it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. No, I, so I talked to him uh, just a couple nights ago, uh, a couple days ago after his All-American ceremony. And his dad's a good friend who I've known since before Brew was even in high school. And it's just, as far as unofficial trips right now, they just don't have time to try to make another one. Texas was also trying to get an unofficial trip. That's not going to happen. He's going to take an official visit to USC December 1st, and then maybe UCLA on December 8th. And that's about it. You know, he's going to go ahead and announce his decision at the Army. Uh, actually, you can't call it the Army. It's the game formerly known as the Army game. Just, just call it the All-American game now on, on January 5th. So I, I, think, I think Brew was one of those guys 
who is being, you know, really diligent and checking all the boxes and all the different schools. But at the end of the day, USC is kind of the school that he's always wanted to go to. And every year in, in SoCal, we see about five or six kids that it doesn't matter if USC wins 12 games or two games. It doesn't matter who the head coach is. It just doesn't matter. They're kind of like this program. They're wired to go to USC. And I think with Brew, you know, he's one of those kids that's, that's kind of always where he wanted to go. And he's comfortable there. And, he, you know, again, he's, I don't want to say he doesn't care about the season or the coaching staff because he does, but I think he feels like USC is, is kind of home for him. And whether Helton's there in a year or not, USC, this is him talking, USC will always be USC. And he's going to – I think that's, that's where he wants to go. So barring a, a huge, huge, huge upset – I would be surprised if Brew goes anywhere else other than USC right now. Okay, I know a lot of people wanted to hear about that. So uh, I know you, you just crushed a lot of dreams, but we've been trying to do that on the board anyway <laughs> to tell people don't get hey. too caught up in this. But how about that Kyle Ford kid? Yeah, we, we I know. Talk, talk more about him. How about that? I know. I I, I honestly, when I when I watched the film, because everybody wanted Joe Nata, and there was a reason why mm-hmm. his brother Ariel played here. He's a hell of a player. Plays hell of a here. Player. Yeah. Plays here. Yeah, or yep. he, yeah, his brother plays here. Goes to the University of Washington. But I I watched Kyle Ford. He is the most polished wide receiver on the West Coast, in my opinion. Yeah, probably doesn't have the same upside as maybe a few other guys. I mean, you look at Kyle, this is, you know, he dominated the, at the opening finals this year in Dallas. I mean, he was the top guy there, but we mentioned his body. He's so maxed out already. I don't know, you know, if he can get that much bigger. He's, uh, he's strong hands. He runs pretty good after the catch. But, you know, I think the reason why you, you see him, and I, dude, he's like in the top 25, so it's not like he's being disrespected. But I think there might be a couple other receivers rated higher. Uh, it, uh, simply because those guys still have a lot of room for growth. They're kind of how those lean, athletic basketball-type bodies. And you kind of look at those guys and think, okay, they can make another jump athletically. Whereas Kyle, he's, he's probably already close to being a finished product. That's not Again, he's pretty dang good right now. But, you know, can he get that much better? We don't know. Uh, other guys probably can just because they're by. I think Joe Nagata is a guy you mentioned who, you know, he's – you know, he's still raw in some areas, but he's that big, strong, physical, down-the-field guy, kind of similar to Ford. But, you know, I, I think he might be able to make another jump, whereas Kyle's already pretty refined and been coached up. I don't see think Nagata has been. So it would be fun to kind of monitor the, those two guys along with Brew McCoy and kind of see, you know, in, in, after four years from now, who's, who's the best guy in that group. Hey, Greg, I'm going to show our age here when I ask you this question. But based on Kyle Ford and, and going all the way back, how does he compare to maybe a guy like a Reggie Williams? You know, that, that's a great comparison. I, I think someone else on your board may have mentioned that. I remember when we used to do an event called Gridiron Kings, we had Reggie out for that. So I had a chance yeah. to see, you know, Reggie up close for, you know, three or four days. And, you know, very similar in terms of, you know, Reggie was a grown man in high school, right? I mean, he yeah. had that body that looked like he was, if he would have went to an NFL training camp, you wouldn't have been able to guess that he was a high school kid. So, right. um, a guy who was already, again, it sounds like a negative, but already pretty maxed out, um, you know, from a body standpoint, from an athletic standpoint. So, for, you know, again, a lot of similarities between those two guys. I think, uh, you know, I didn't get to know Reggie as well as I know Kyle. I know one thing about Kyle is he's one of the most competitive kids I've ever been around, and he's tough, loves to block. He's a hard-nosed kid who, who plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he, he'll knock your head off every chance he gets. I mean, he plays with a defensive mentality. So, uh, but from a body standpoint, athleticism standpoint, him and Reggie, very similar. It's a good comparison. 
Uh, Greg Washington is in on some some other big time guys here on the West Coast here as we as we kind of wrap up the it's it's hard to believe we're only gosh we're about what five weeks away from uh, signing day. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy that I still haven't fully adjusted to the whole December early signing period. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's definitely changed the way recruiting is these these days with schools having to kind of fill up sooner and start earlier and official trips are you know around the corner for juniors already. So yeah, everything's fast forwarded now. So so I'm going to give you just I'm I want to run down um, some of the guys that Washington's in on and just give us maybe a sentence or two about them and um, a prediction where they might be leaning. You don't have to say they're they're going to end up at UW or whatever, but where they might be leaning. All right, oh, we want crystal balls, Scott. Yeah. Where's the crystal balls? <laughs> Hey, let's try. We'll try. Okay, we'll all right. Our best here. All right. So uh, the first, I'm going to go with two linebackers to start off. Henry Tooto from De La Salle, and okay. and um, Haymuli. Uh, I keep wanting to say Ricky Haymuli. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Haymuli from uh, from Menlo Atherton. Uh, just kind of give me an idea where either each one of those guys is headed, or I'm sorry, is what each one of those guys does well and where they might be leaning. So Henry. And you've done a nice job with the last name. You guys both always do a pretty good job with those Polynesian last names. Except I keep I saying, fa, uh, I know it's fa, Fautanu, <laughs> but I keep saying Fautanau. I don't know why I keep saying it. I remember back in the day, Federer was like our Hawaii guy, man. He used to kill those Polynesian names. And when I say kill, I mean hey. do a great job with them. He did I, a great job. I still do, <laughs> um, man. I haven't lost it. You just pr- you For, for anyone it? who doesn't no. know about poly players, you just pronounce every single Letter. Vowel. No, every single, every vowel, single vowel is a syllable. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. the key. Okay, Greg. Anyway, no, go so. ahead. You don't want to uh, – so with, with, I was going to call, call him Henry. Um, <laughs> so it, sounds like, it sounds like Bama, you know, shocker, right? They usually do a pretty good job recruiting linebackers. And it sounds like that, that might be the team to beat. Um, is, that because, I, is that because of Tosh Lapoy's relationship with the De La Salle program? Yeah, because of Tosh. That's okay. a big part of it. You know, Tosh has been recruiting the guy since he was just a freshman. He's the top guy on their board. And, uh, and honestly, I mean, can you really blame a kid, uh, a defensive player, if he, you know, if he wants to go to Alabama? So, you know, I think, uh, I think the only reason why you see sometimes kids don't want to go there is because, you know, there's probably like five, you know, Henry's already there. Whereas if you go somewhere else, you can be the guy right away. But I think Henry's confident. You know, kids come out of De La Salle, and, uh, you know, they're pretty confident they can go and compete with anybody. So, by no, by no means do I feel it's a lock. I think he's going to still take a few more trips, and obviously he's got a connection with Tennessee too because Kevin Simon is, uh, is on that staff. He's a former data oh, yeah. linebacker, obviously Washington. I think that's probably the top three right now. I think Washington is doing a good job with him. He loved that visit. But I think, I, I think as of right now, uh, you always say this, recruiting is pretty fluid. I think as of right now, uh, I think Bama's probably the team to beat. I do think UW probably leads for uh, Daniel Hamuli and – you know, they're, they're somewhat similar. I think they're, they're both inside guys. I think Henry's definitely an inside guy. I think Daniel can be an inside or outside guy. But I think, uh, I think UW is doing really, really good with him. And, uh, you know, he's going to take a visit uh, in December. And when he does, I would not be surprised if he makes a pretty quick decision right after that. So Oregon and Utah are also heavily in the mix. And I know, obviously, to bring them up again, Alabama – is, is trying with him as well. I, I don't see them getting both those two kids. And so I, I think, I think UW is in a pretty good place with Hemuli. 
Uh, Leatu Latu, the linebacker front, uh, kind of buck prospect for Washington, um, 6'4 and a half, 237 out of Jesuit in Carmichael, California. Uh, do you have an idea of where that kid might be, might, might be leaning a little bit? I know he's going to visit yeah. Washington on December 15th. Sure. Yeah, so right now it seems like USC has most of the buzz with him. Um, again, that, that December 15th weekend is going to be pretty big for UW. He's going he's to visit there the same weekend as Hamuli. So, uh, you know, he's already been to UCLA and USC, and he liked both those two schools quite a bit. But the vibe that we're getting is USC is kind of the early team to beat. Washington gets that last crack at him, though, so you never know. But uh, if I were to handicap it, I'd say watch out for USC as of today. And um, Trent McDuffie, the cornerback out of St. John Bosco, um, a lot of people think Stanford's the team to beat. I know that uh, there were some rumors that he might not be willing to take the classes that he needs to take to get into Stanford or maybe do the essays or whatever it was that he had to do to get qualified there. Um, OJ Mc, or OJ McDuffie, geez, Trent McDuffie um, out of uh, St. John Bosco, probably one of the top cover guys on the West Coast. No, I loved him, and I was I was able to watch him last night. They had the TV game, so I was able to tape that and watch it. He he was incredible. I think right now I would say Stanford, Washington, probably his top two, and Oregon is right there as well. Those are, those are his top three. Um, but he is committed to doing all he can to get academically into Stanford. He's actually visiting there this weekend, so that kind of shows you that he, he does have real interest. And last time I asked him about his application. Uh, he said he was basically done. He, he just now needs to wait for some of his teachers to go ahead and write their little uh, letters of recommendation, which I think they require that. So I think his essays are done. He, he took the necessary AP classes this year, and he's ready to turn that thing in. And I think once he does, I think the likelihood of him getting accepted is pretty high. And if he does get accepted, I think Stanford will be tough to beat. If he is denied, which happens every year, I know a lot of people want to say, oh, Stanford just accepts whoever they like. No, I don't want to embarrass any kids. There's two or three elite kids every year who get told no. Um, if he is told no, then I think it becomes a Washington-Oregon battle. I think right now he may be lean, leaning a little bit more toward Washington than Oregon. So, okay. But it could be a moot point if he ends up going to Stanford. So what you're saying is the Washington coaches need to recruit his teachers to not write those recommendations. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. That's <laughs> what they got to do. Hey, whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes. Um, Fa'atui Tuatelli out of uh, St. Louis High School out there in Honolulu. I know it's not necessarily your area. That's more Blair's area, Blair Angulo's, and he does a heck of a job out there. But Fa'atui Tuatelli, um, just, it, well, it's kind of down to him and Siaki Ika for Washington, and it doesn't sound like Siaki's that interested. So it sounds like all their eggs are in the Fa'atui Tuatelli uh, basket. Yeah, and I think UW's in a good spot with Tuatelli, and Blair is the man. I love we love Blair in the most masculine way possible. Blair kills it <laughs> on the uh, on the. Uh, I need to figure out how Blair got that gig because I'm I'm the one that has the Hawaiian ties. My mom was born in Maui for crying out loud, and Blair and Hopkins to go to the uh, Polynesian Bowl every year, and I'm sitting at home watching uh, watching Top Gun with my kids. But I do think I think UW leads for Tuatelli. Also, again, another guy who's going to visit December fifteenth. And we actually thought Tuatelli might commit over the summer and kind of just get out of the way, but he decided to, to go, go through the process a little bit. And, you know, I, I do think UW is in a good spot, and I think he will sign in the early period. I think, uh, I think it's, it's going to be with the Huskies. So, again, it's fluid. I keep saying that. Things can change. But as of right now, I think, I think Washington's in a good spot. Okay, and I'm going to give you some guys that Washington isn't necessarily in on that, some Husky fans that are – oh, one other guy that I do want to talk about. I'm sorry. Isaiah Foskey. 
the uh, yeah. t- tight end defensive end prospect out of De La Salle. Um, he's looking at Washington pretty heavily, but he's also looking at, I believe, Ohio State is one, Mich- I think Michigan and Notre Dame. I, I I don't know all the schools off the top of my head, but I know Washington was looking at him as kind of a buck prospect. Um, are they going to get a visit out of him? I'm not sure. Um, I think right now Notre Dame is the team to beat. I think they have a, a pretty good lead. If he does go ahead and take his trip, yeah, but I think I think Washington will get one. I think they're in his top five right now. Cal is in there. Michigan, you mentioned Ohio State, but I think Notre Dame. That's the one visit he has already taken, and I've heard different things about Foskey. If he'll if he'll commit early, you know, during that December period, or if he'll wait till the February period. I, I heard he, you know, he might wait all the way till February. Him and uh, Henry might both wait till the, that February one. But as of today, I think Notre Dame's got a pretty sizable lead. And um, I think it's it's sizable enough for me to say it would be a pretty decent upset if he went anywhere else. Uh, we're talking with Greg uh, Biggins uh, from Twenty Four Seven Sports. He's what, what was your, what is your title? Are you the West Coast recruiting guy? What what is uh, your title, Greg? I think it still says National Recruiting Analyst okay. on the business card, but yeah, predominantly West Coast. But we you know we do do the national rankings national or whatnot, stuff. so they okay. keep that national title in there. I guess All it right. sounds better or more <laughs> official. I guess I don't know. Well, it's kind of like the coaches when they give them the recruiting coordinator uh, job. It's yep. just to get them extra money, right? Isn't that what it was? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, the, yeah, up, it's it. the upsell. <laughs> anyway, Greg, uh, I want. There's three guys that uh, Husky fans want to know about. Um, we've been talking about them possibly being guys who could flip, or at least they're getting recruited by other schools and they're at least listening. Um, one guy is a uh, safety prospect uh, that Washington got committed back in. I want to say end of the summer, mid summer. Yeah. Uh, Cameron Williams out of Bakersfield, absolute stud athlete. Um, was down to kind of Washington and uh, USC and maybe a couple other schools. He was originally committed to Oregon. Yeah, was committed to Oregon, but uh, decommitted and then um, decided to flip to Washington. And then USC has been making a play for him, and he's actually going to be at USC tonight. Yeah, now, again, I think people might get nervous when you hear that. This isn't like a kid taking an unofficial trip to a school. It's going to a game. You know what I'm saying? So it's different. You know, there's, there's unofficial visits that you need to worry about if you're a, a fan and you hear about your recruit. But in SoCal, you know, these guys all know each other so well that you'll hear, you know, tons of kids that will just, hey, it's something to do on a Saturday night. Hey, we can go get in trouble or we can go to a football game. So um, he's going to be going to, the, going to the USC game tonight. And USC is making a strong push. But I, I do think Washington is in a good spot for him right now. And and just to repeat, like I said, he's not necessarily visiting USC. He's just going to the Coliseum to watch the USC-Cal game. He's got friends playing on both sides. Um, you know, there'll be, you know, there'll be 30 kids, you know, 30, 50 kids there at the game who don't really have interest in either school, but they just want to go to a game. So I think, I think you, you, uh, Washington is still doing well with Cam. Uh, like I said, USC's pushing, but uh, as of right now, I, I think he looks solid, and I, I don't see a flip happening. Okay. Uh, another one is Asa Turner, a safety prospect um, out of – well, we've got him listed as an athlete, but for Washington, he's a safety prospect. Uh, 6'4", 215 out of Carlsbad. He's down to Washington and, and Notre Dame. Chose Washington, but Notre Dame is still making a pretty heavy push too. They are. Um, and, you know, I think some of that came about because – you know, when Notre Dame came out here to play against Navy, um, Asa went to the game. And, and I talked to him um, when he got his 
uh, All-American jersey presentation, and he said that, you know, Notre Dame has never backed off, neither has USC. Both those two schools are both pushing pretty hard for him. But as of right now, I, I still think it would, it would be a little bit of a surprise if he flips from Washington to Notre Dame. I don't, I don't see a USC being an, a serious option, but I do think Notre Dame, you know, it, it was closer than, than people think. There was, there was days when I actually thought he might choose Notre Dame. He ended up choosing Washington because of those long-standing relationships that he has with Coach Lake and Coach Pete, opportunity to play early, uh, comfort level, all that stuff really kind of favored Washington for him. So um, hearing him say all that, and he kind of echoed those thoughts when I spoke to him a couple weeks ago, I think Washington's still definitely there. But again, you know, Notre Dame is a, you know, they do a great job. They really push kids hard and got that national brand and they know what they're doing. So they will not relent until the kid, kid actually signs on signing day, which is going to be in December. But uh, right now, Washington is still in a good spot. And last one, Kaimuki defensive tackle, uh, Sama Pa'ama, uh, 6'5", 325. He's still talking to USC. I know that uh, this is kind of becoming a theme, <laughs> USC continuing to recruit Husky uh, commits. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see him flipping, but, uh, you know, we, we need to ask the question. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it either. But again, um, you know, Johnny Nansen, kind of the, the nickname for him has, you know, been the Polly Whisperer because he has always been uh, a guy who's done a, a great job recruiting the Polynesian players, especially those from Hawaii. They've, you know, brought in three or four every year. And, and I think the more you bring in, the more comfortable other Polynesians are when they come and, and visit USC, kind of just kind of builds upon each other. So I, I think Washington is in a good spot, I believe. He's also going to visit that December 15th weekend. And if he, you know, does, which I don't know why he would not, you got to assume that's going to, that's going to lock him up. That's going to solidify him. What signing day is just the following Wednesday. So I, I think Washington's doing a great job of, of staying on him and uh, getting him to take that, you know, get, they get that last visit. So yes, USC is pushing, but I do think, uh, I do think Washington is going to keep him. All right, Greg. And uh, just Washington overall, just give me, we, we only got about two minutes left. Washington overall on the West Coast. It sounds like Washington is starting to get into that elite group where they can get in on pretty much anybody on the West Coast now. Yeah, no doubt. It's a great name, great brand. The coaches have built great relationships. Um, they're very well respected. I don't think, that, think there's another school out West that, that is more respected by kids, parents, and coaches. You, you hear them talk. That offer, uh, they, they don't offer just anybody. So we, we get a, uh, an offer from Washington. It means a lot because, it's again, it, you have to earn that offer. It's, it's not just you know throwing out a bunch of offers. So I think because of that, I think uh, the, the staff has really set themselves apart as Easily one of the one of the elite schools, not just out west, but I'd say it's a national brand right now. And so, uh, no, they they've done a great job. They're going to have a another, you know another top twenty, top twenty five recruiting class. And the way Coach Pete and that staff coaches them up and develops them, I think this class is going to be great. I, I like them a lot. Going down the list, they don't really you don't really see a lot of weaknesses there. You got the linemen, you got the skill, the quarterbacks coming in, the DBs are excellent. Um, so uh, overall, I, I I really like what Washington's doing out 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 west right now, and no, I'm I'm a fan of their approach and, and how they go about doing their doing their business out here as well. Hey Greg, real quick with the uh, with Washington going through their bye week this weekend, Washington would you know the coaches are out, they're doing their thing. We would have expected them to be down in the down in the SoCal area checking out some of these bigger games that you guys have been a part of. Have you seen them at all? Have they made a presence? Uh, do you get a sense that Washington's being talked about a little bit by these kids right now? Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't see any last night, but I, I'm sure that would make sense for them to come out here. But 
No, what do Washington's being talked about all the time? And like I said, they're they have such a their their brand is highly highly respected. Where I think you know in, in SoCal that that offer from USC is always going to carry so much weight just because these kids were born and raised on on that school. But after that, I think a Washington offer is probably the next highest offer in terms of just getting kids buzzed and excited because again they know shoot man Washington doesn't offer very many people Stanford and Washington obviously now with with Chip Kelly's approach which is you know a whole different animal but. Those three schools only offer a handful of kids. So, um, you know, Washington definitely carries a ton of weight, and, and kids are very high on their program right now. Greg, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Get back to Top Gun, and uh, we will talk to you very soon, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Always good talking to you. Have a good one. Thanks, you Biggs. Greg Biggins always does a great job, um, and he gave you a lot of meat to, to digest there. Oh, yeah. um, for Husky fans who are into recruiting, that's the guy. He, he Brandon Huffman, Blair Angulo, there really isn't any better on any network anywhere. No, they, they are the three guys. They're like the three musketeers. I mean, they, mm-hmm. if, they if they can't find out about a guy, no one's going to find out about a guy. And there's going to be the nice thing for people, we, we've been there, there's going to be an upgrade to our message boards, and they've got a new fe- feature where you can actually talk directly to those guys and they can get these notifications on our message board. So when you want an answer from Brandon Huffman, yeah. you don't have to wait for him to peruse our board to see that you need a Brandon Huffman offer. He's going to see it right away. Service so, with a smile, man. Yeah, it's man. very nice. So Instant that feedback. should be installed here in a little bit. So I don't know exactly when that's going to be released, I think, in the next couple of weeks. But like, I guess we, we just wait and we wait to hear from the developers. <laughs> whether they're they're literally gonna not going to be able to get out of their chairs because they're they're just going to have lists. Yeah, like, you guys, remember the, yeah. like, what was it, Bruce Almighty, where he was gone yeah. and God had this, the emails. And it says, you through. have 10 you have, million yeah, emails. It's yeah. going to be like that. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to a break. We come back. uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the running back situation after Miles Gaskins graduates. You're listening to the guys from dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. All right. Welcome back. We got a short segment here, so we're going to get right to it, Fetters. Gaskin, Miles Gaskin graduates this year. We talked about his importance and how how indispensable he is to this offense. Indeed. Uh, Richard uh, Newton, yep. uh, the freshman, is out with a shoulder injury. Yep. He's recovering from that. So, really, it's down to uh, Kamari Pleasant, Sean, Sean McGrew, McGrew, and Savon Ahmed. And those are going to be the three guys, I think, battling for the – Number of carries. Well, now they have a, they have a guy who's committed right now for 2019, yeah, Cameron, Cameron Davis. Cameron Davis. Yeah. Do you think there's a chance? There's always a, sh- a chance. I mean, he's a good running back. I just don't know if he's that elite guy that can come in and come in and play over guys who've been in the program for three or four years. Yeah. Now we're talking about a kid that's he's got decent size. I mean, he's six foot one eighty five, which means he could be close to two hundred by the time he comes in, depending on what they're asking him mm-hmm. to do physically. Uh, I know that Washington isn't asking guys to come in at certain weights. I think right. they just feel that they can they can get them to where they want them to be once they get on campus. Right, right, right. And right. he's not coming in early. That's the other thing. Okay. And when it comes to Keith Bonifay and playing time, he expects these guys to be able to handle uh, pass protection. The other thing that we can talk about, too, is that they did bring in a couple of guys that were walk-ons for this year that you know, you got Malik Braxton, who was who did damage at Western Oregon. Like him a lot. Jamin Patu, Patu, who's a who's a 
I don't know if he's a bigger guy. He's kind of a Ralph Kinney-sized mm-hmm. guy. Um, any chance that one of those guys could break through? I, I just don't see it. Okay. I just don't see it. I really think it's going to come down to Savon and his health. I think it's going to come down to Sean McGrew and him taking things seriously, which he apparently, according to everybody, he's really buckled down mm-hmm. and gotten into what he needs to do. Right. And then Kamari Pleasant, who I think is is a good runner, I just don't know if he's that. I I honestly think he's going to be a better downhill guy than asking him to get into space. Now, maybe you can remind me, my recollection of when Washington got um, Kamari Pleasant he was originally committed to Arizona State, mm-hmm. and they really recruited him as an athlete, yeah. as a guy who was almost a pass catcher, possible first. wide receiver. And, so yeah. they, so he was versatile in that way, but they didn't necessarily pigeonhole him as a running back. Whereas I think Washington really liked his running back style. Yeah, and I think they they like the way he fits yeah. at, at running back, and I think they just felt like he was a better fit there for them. I did think it was interesting though. I mean, we saw him at Colorado last year. He filled that Levon Coleman role. I thought really well. He blocked really well. He was mm-hmm. great in pass protection. He showed some of those traits, but they haven't really built on that this year. And I don't know if that's because of need or something else. So Washington is is. Uh, you know, I, I'm a little concerned about the running back situation. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other positions to be concerned about next season, even though we've got about three or four games left, maybe five games left in this season. But uh, some positions to worry about and some some to be a little excited about next year. Stay tuned. After the break, we'll get to that. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Dogman.com on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. All right, welcome back, everyone. Our last segment before we hand it off to are we handing it? Hey, Dylan, are we handing it off to Westwood One? Uh, I believe so. I believe yes. that's who it is. And w- what game is it? Uh, I should have asked you. I'm not sure. I can look it up though. Okay. So after our show gets over with, we're gonna uh, wrap this thing up about three uh, thirty. And after we're done, we're going to hand it off to Westwood One, and they have a good game on. I don't know <laughs> what it's going to be, but it's going to be a good game. So stay tuned here uh, for the rest of the day. Uh, you know, if you're out mowing the lawn, doing different things, because it's nice outside. We don't get a lot of Novembers like this. Not not a lot. Of I wonder. It's, I wonder if it's either Auburn, Georgia, or Miami, Georgia Tech. I would bet I Auburn, Auburn, Georgia. Georgia. Yeah, I, I would bet that's what it is. Yeah, you are correct. All yeah. right, there we go. See, I told you it was going to be a good game. I just little, just a little creative logic going on here. Well, see, that's um, the problem. I don't have any of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to get you guys a scoreboard update, Washington State currently leads Colorado seventeen seven with just about two minutes left in the third quarter, and. Um, Utah is actually up on Oregon, ten nothing. About with halfway seven, through the first, seven forty-five left in I guess, the first. I, I guess the, the 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 reports of Utah's demise have been slightly premature. They're missing their starting quarterback. <laughs> they're and yeah, but Jason Shelley. And Jason Shelley. Yeah, they're also miss. Yeah, who went four for ten last week? Yeah. Okay. So they're missing their starting quarterback. They're missing their starting running back. Their two best players on offense. Right. And defensively, they're still going to be pretty tough. But uh, man, I I don't know if anyone saw that coming. Yeah. Um, well, it's it, again, it's halfway through the first quarter. Yeah, I get, mean, let's but, not overreact. 
Yes, not, let's not overreact. But uh, Arizona State downed UCLA 31-28 uh, to uh, wrap up yeah. uh, that. And, uh, it looks like UCLA got a late touchdown, but uh, too yeah. little too late. Yeah. And then Oregon State takes on Stanford at 6 o'clock tonight, and Cal travels to USC at 7.30 tonight. Yep. So that kind of wraps up the Pac-12 uh, scoreboard. Uh, let's see. Anything else worth noting here on the other national scoreboard? Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, if you if you like high-scoring games, 9.30 left in the third, Oklahoma's up 34-28. Because yeah. the Big Twelve doesn't play defense, and anymore. Oklahoma State's got the ball and they're driving. Yeah, and the de- the they don't play defense in the pack- Big Twelve anymore. Apparently not. Tennessee up twenty four seven on number eleven Kentucky. That's a bit of a surprise. Iowa State is up twenty nothing on Baylor. Alabama big shock twenty one nothing over uh, Mississippi State. The Mississippi State's defense is good. They are, but it doesn't matter. No. To a Tangabailoa, he hasn't thrown an interception yet, right? I think that's true. Yeah, hasn't thrown an interception this season. Michigan is up 35-7 over Rutgers in uh, New Jersey, and Northwestern is up on number 21 oh, uh, Iowa at home. It's a little upset alert. Yeah, 7-3 to in the mid-third, well, toward the end of the third quarter. Yep. That's about it. So, Chris, we were talking about the running back situation. I'm not thrilled with where the running back situation is. Uh, heading into next season okay. with Miles Gaskin gone. Okay. The offensive line situation is going to be interesting next year because they lose Caleb McGarry. Yep. They lose Jesse Sosby, but he was a backup. He's yep. been a backup. Ha- you know, ha- started what? He started 10 games in his career. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. But he's and got. So those are the only two seniors, though, right? Those are the only two seniors. Yeah. Um, and so with those two guys, well, Trey Adams was a senior, but he ended up being able to redshirt this season, and he right. told the right. media earlier this week that well, he, Chris Peterson confirmed oh, that, Chris that Peterson Trey, confirmed Trey Adams okay. had talked to him about coming coming back, coming back to Washington for his final mm-hmm. for his fifth year. Yeah, so yeah, so that's the plan. Apparently. But the thing is, he can he can play starting uh, next week. He could play he could. the rest of the season if in, you, if in he theory. Wants to. Yeah, in theory, he could. I. I get the sense he's still a ways away. Yeah, I don't. I, do I don't get the sense that he's. Don't be rush ready at all. him. Don't rush him. Not not if he's coming back for a full season. What's yeah. the point? Yeah. I, I just don't get it. I would not get that at all. No, especially when you're starting to get some semblance of of continuity with Jared Hilbers and and they've and they've worked mm-hmm. him in and he's done a nice job. I I just don't see any upside so, in any of it. So the offensive line next season. Let me just throw out this starting lineup and see what you think. Okay, Trey Adams at left tackle. Luke uh, Wattenberg at left guard. Okay. Nick Harris at center. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll be a senior. Trey Adams will be a senior. Okay. Um, Jackson Kirkland at right guard. Yep. And Jared Hilbers, who I believe will be a fifth-year senior as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got three seniors. Two The two tackles are seniors, and your center is a senior. Okay. What do you think of that offensive line? I, I think... I think that's the five that I would go with. I, I might get a little bit more creative in how I could see them getting lined up. I can see Scott Huff maybe wanting to keep Hilbers on the left hand side and moving Luke Wattenberg to right tackle. Ooh, geez. So you really? could have so you could have Trey Adams and, and Jared Hilbers on the left side. Mm-hmm. You could have Jackson Kirkland and Luke Wattenberg on the right side. Mm-hmm. 
So I I don't know. I mean, I'm just you know Henry Roberts. We got we got to talk about as well because Henry's a guy that can play right tackle mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I would assume he's in the mix too for sure. And um, you know, so they've got some options there. Yeah. But I I, I see I see Wattenberg as a guy that could move mm-hmm. in different situations. Hilbers, while I I understand your your thought that he's pretty much a tackle. Um, I wonder if he's a guy that could be now that he's been a left sided guy for so long that they would want to keep him well, as a left sided. Chris Strouser told me, you know, Chris Strouser is no longer the coach here anymore. So it's obviously a new philosophy. I wouldn't say new philosophy, but new way of thinking. Um, yeah, but under, remember, Huff and was, Strasser really. They were close. They were very yeah. in sync yeah. for a long time at Boise State. Jared Hilbers, though, was originally recruited to play guard. Yeah. And because of his length, I think he ended up. Moving out to tackle. Oh yeah, he's he's six seven. So yeah. I mean, you can, you know, you look at that, and but you also look at a guy like Jackson Kirkland. Jackson Kirkland's a monster. He's mm-hmm. a huge kid, but they like him inside. And we also noticed even during this fall, and I don't remember if it was spring too, but they played um, like Devin Burleson inside at right guard, and he, and, you know, he's six eight, mm-hmm. and and just you know he's the he's the biggest guy on the team, mm-hmm. um, even bigger than MJ Alley in terms of just height. But um, Ollie's bigger, Ollie is bigger, wise. yeah, weight wise <laughs> and size wise. But um, yeah, I I just wonder if he looks at, at Jared Hilbers and says, you know, we like you on the left side, and we just we'll just move you in mm-hmm. and have you play right next to Trey Adams, and and there's some continuity there. I just wonder if that's the case because I'm wondering with with a guy like Wattenberg, he played tackle, you know, he was an All American tackle at the high school level, and. Um, you know, so I I don't know. Okay, I don't know. So let's like say it's those five up. Let's not even talk about. But we're, we're what in agreement. Those are yeah. the five. So let's say it's those five that line up as your starters. Yeah. Who's your first two off the bench? Well, I think Henry Roberts has to be one of those yeah. guys that's considered. And who's next? Um, the next guy. I know I my think, guy. But. The guy that I would think honestly, and again, it depends on whether you're looking at him as a true interior guy that plays all three of those positions. Um. You know, see, because I think Cole Norgard is the next guy in line in terms of center. Mm-hmm. Now, does he also fit into the guard thing? So I don't, I don't know that for sure. Um, but you look at the you look at the guy you look at a guy like Henry Bainavalu. It's going to be hard to not get him on the field in some capacity. And I think he's got versatility. He can play Here's inside out. Here's what I've out. heard from insiders, people who know the O line. Okay, yep. mm-hmm. um, you should have just started with that. He <laughs> said this person said. Henry Bainavalu is the second most talented yeah. player at the position. Okay, at what position? Any position along Any the position offensive along line. Along the offensive line. Who's the first guy? Trey? Trey Adams. Even more than Caleb McGarry. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Caleb McGarry. Don't get Caleb me McGarry's, wrong. Caleb McGarry's got a future in the NFL. He does. But this person said that's how talented Henry Bainavalu is. The problem with him is he hasn't picked up the playbook as well as he needs to, and that's one of the things that they're working with him on is getting him in. I mean, he's played. Oh, yeah. But, but, he, play, he played at Cal. He's yeah. played in number. He's, he's played in several games. I think games he played against season. Stanford, too, yeah, if I remember right. Yeah, he's played in several games. So, but the thing is, um, once he gets the playbook down, they, this person said he'll go from an okay player to an elite player. Right. And so that so that kind of begs the question: Do you really try to focus his attention and, and everything else on just one position? Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, and so where would that be? Yeah, I think it's left tackle. Yeah, so That's, he has to be the backup. Exactly. Trey Adams, so now, if you but think would, he's a guard, then maybe you put him. So maybe he's one of the the two first yeah. two off the bench, and you move Wattenberg 
to center because I think that's eventually where he ends up his senior year. Why I think it's a conundrum is because those guys are are asked to do a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're I mean, if you are a tackle, you're asked to learn both spots. Mm-hmm. You have to learn playing with your hand down, whether it's your left or right hand. I mean, you just are, and that's what they. If you are an interior lineman, you are going to be asked to snap. You may never snap in your Husky career, but you're going to be asked to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's it's kind of a real fight. Do you want to specify, you know, put this kid in one spot and leave him there, and just try to make him the best he could be at that position, or do you kind of go and just? You know, kind of stick with your philosophy, and then the guy makes it at his own pace, and whatever happens, happens. So I think um, what what I want to do here. So I think the tight end position, even with the graduation of Drew Sample, I think the tight end situation is going to be pretty good. Yeah, because it's I, Deshaun Williams is gone as well. Right? Yeah, he is, but yeah. I mean, he's mainly a special teams guy. He's not. Yeah, he he's not doing much on the field as far as the regular yeah. offense. Right. Drew Sample leaves, but I think Kate Otten has really established himself as the second best tight end. Yeah. You got Devin Culp, who I think can eventually be a, a a threat, a red zone threat because of his height and his athleticism. Right. You got Jacob Kaiser, who's a pretty good um, intermediate tight end for Washington, and then you got Hunter Bryant. It's basically it yeah. feels feels like you're getting almost like a draft pick back exactly. when you're doing that. So and then and then, uh, and then who knows? I mean, Mike Neal may become the senior guy that. Like a Tani Tupo, where he just goes crazy and uh, you know just figures out something somehow in his senior year, he goes berserk. Yeah, so, I mean it's it's or you know, he it probably or won't he, happen, or but he's one of the guys that walks next week. It's possible, yeah. There, there, I mean, there will probably yeah. be some a couple juniors out there that are probably going to be done redshirt juniors, yeah. and um, you know those are the ones that you always have to kind of wonder about too. And obviously, we'll be all over that for, yeah. for senior day. For senior, yeah, saying, which will be next Friday is when we'll release. Yeah, they're saying that. there's twenty two. Guys that they're expecting, but I it feels like it should be more than that. Yeah, I bet it's somewhere around twenty five. It could when be it finally gets done because you're including guys like Jared Pulu and Austin Joyner who. But are they are, walking? They're yeah, not I don't seniors, know. So that's I don't know how close exactly, yeah. but they're redshirt guys. I don't know how close to their degrees okay. they are. So, um, but I want to talk about the defense, which is going to look drastically different next week, next year. Maybe not from a scheme standpoint, but from a personnel standpoint because for sure in, in your front three you lose greg Gaines, jalen johnson shane bowman talk about the whole front seven yeah then you lose your two middle linebackers yeah and tevis bartlett and ben burke Irvin. right you lose do you lose either one of the walk-ons that have oh yeah both now? You, no you so lose matt both preston of those guys they're both seniors jake wamba jake wamba you lose matt both preston. of those guys yep. um Amandre Williams wasn't a senior, but he he's gone right. from the team. Right. Um, so that's you lose that. And then you have the potential, and I think a very likely potential, of losing four of your five starters in the secondary. Who's the one you don't lose? I think Miles Bryant. Really? It's funny because have you seen some of the projections, right? Yes. And, and I know you really hate that. Yeah. I yeah. You and, your, Bur- you and your cookie cutter projections. Like <laughs> this is the reason why you don't think Ben Burkirvin can make it in the league. I I think Ben Burkirvin could make it in the league. He's got to find the you right. You got situation. something against small people. Yes, I don't like. Sm- I'm small. Well, my weight isn't small. I'm short. <laughs> I'm short. I'm only five ten. Yeah, but you played ball. <laughs> Jeez, you did. You played ball. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. I didn't play yeah. ball. You played ball, not me. Yeah. But no. The, but you're right. I mean, do I? Th- let's put it this way. Do I think Miles Bryant leaves? No. He's not the kind of guy I who think- leaves early. He might 
be able to go in the NFL, but I think he's he needs to be. A you're senior. right. He, if, as far as this program, he's a junior this year, right? Correct. Yeah. But as far as, and it's he's a true junior. Yeah, because he played third as a year true out. Freshman. Yeah, I get it. So it, with all that said, he doesn't. You're right. He, in my opinion, I think you agree. He doesn't fit the profile of a guy that leaves. The guys that leave early are physical freaks right. of nature who are very but, productive. So we know two for sure that will leave, and that's McIntosh and Miller because they're seniors. Yeah. But then we, so you think Rapp will leave and you think Murphy leaves. See, I think Murphy leaves for sure. Rap, I'm pretty sure he's going to leave, but I, I still leave the door open. See, I'm on that. more, I'm, I'm the reverse. Really, I'm more sure that Taylor Rapp is leaving than I am about Byron Murphy. I just think Murphy has family stuff that. Oh and, and no, no, I, just no. Think all I that totally stuff get that. Plays into I totally that. get that, and that's why I think he's going to leave. And that's why. But I don't, I don't know. I think his grade won't be as good as it could be if he waited one more year. I yeah, I can see that. I can see and that. And that's I, why I think he might stay because I'll well, tell you what. I don't think that'll stop if him. You're, hold on. If you're going to go in the third round, okay, let's say he goes in the third round. That's still a pretty high draft choice, right? Right. Very likely to make the team. But he's, okay? but he's getting – his grade is – I mean, if you take the mocks at their – these early, yeah. early, early mocks uh-huh. at their face, at face value, value yeah. he's, be, he's getting a much higher draft grade than third round. Okay. That's from them. And the same, that and isn't the same, from NFL right, right, right. personnel I, guys. No, totally, totally understand. And the same goes for rap. Yeah. They're both getting like late first, early second right mm-hmm. now, if you look at the but way it goes. the difference in money that you could be talking about by waiting, basically it's three more months. Sure. I mean, gosh, I I don't know. I, I, I still think all four of the starters leave, and then Miles Bryant is the one that stays. Right. I think that's how it's going to happen, but- if you're going to say, hey, Scott, give me one person who could stay, yeah. I think it's more likely to be Byron Murphy than it is Taylor Rapp. So, but let's, but let's recap because you, you talk, okay, so you lose, lose, uh, lose Jalen Johnson, you lose Greg Gaines, you lose Shane Bowman. And That's then, in the front, fo- in the well, front, front but three. Then you, and then you lose your two middle linebackers, uh-huh. and you think they're going to lose. And, they lose and Jordan, the two backups. Yeah. And, two, the two, and the, the two, two walk-on backups are, are on scholarship now. And then you lose Jordan Miller, you lose JoJo McIntosh, and you think that they they'll probably lose Taylor Rapp and Byron Murphy. Yes. So how many is that? That's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's eleven guys on scholarship they'd lose. Eleven on out of their probably top twenty guys on defense. No, twenty. Well, More Wamba like. isn't. Is he? I mean, Preston's usually the one that comes in. Preston, yeah, yeah. And because uh, well, Wellington, Wellington is now that back, he's back, he's and, back and, and if DJ Beavers gets healthy, yeah. he's your he's your other uh, backup, right? So, um, but but and Wellington, still, but by still, the way, has been playing really well, right? But still losing eleven scholarship guys, huge on one just on one side of the ball. Yeah. And if we if we look at that defensive line now for next year, you've got Anzarike. And then you've uh, and then a Josiah, bunch of freshmen, but Josiah Bronson is starting to come on yeah. a little bit. So I thought he's they're played need, really well, yeah. Right, but they're going to need him in a bad way. Yeah, and then those are got, probably two of your starters because one's a two gapper, one's a one gapper. And so now you, are you going to give a scholarship to a guy like John Clark? He's played a lot this year, he, and he probably and I would yeah. think he'd play. I don't again. know if they can though. He's just experienced, but he's an experienced guy. What I mean is, I don't know if they can from a numbers standpoint. Right, they would know that. I obviously, think, yeah, better than we, we don't would. know that. Yeah. But but again, now but, you've got the four freshman running back or freshman defensive linemen that are all redshirting. Yep. What one of which is play, one of which is played. Well, well Tuli has played twice, but there's obviously they're all. Let's, what, let's go this way yeah. for for people that are getting confused. Every single. True freshman right now at the University of Washington on scholarship mm-hmm. is going to redshirt. 
Now it's just a matter of how many games will they play from here on out. And we've heard none of the the uh, offensive guys yeah. are, are expected to play one game, and that includes the that includes the receivers, yeah. guys like Marcus Spike. We talked about this. On, it doesn't on mean Wednesday. that can't change, right. but as of today, right. the plan is for none of those guys to play. Right, and so that and that's saying quite a bit because I would have I would have bet a lot of money before the season started. A guy like Marcus Spiker would have played four Me too. games. Me too. I mean, I, I, I assume they all would redshirt. I assumed uh, Austin I would, Osborne, because he got here early, right. I thought he'd play early. Right. I thought he'd play. Yep, for sure. And then when guys like Gaskin and, and Savon Ahmed were getting hurt, I really thought Trey Lowe was a legitimate run option. Now, mm-hmm. it may have looked a little desperate, but here is a guy that ran the ball a ton at Jesuit. We saw it. The film was incredible. and he Great has, vision, great yeah. Feet, quickness. Now, they probably just saw him as another option for like McGrew, for instance, because mm-hmm. they're not there's not a lot of difference in their body types. Yeah. Not a not a ton. So but again, let's go back to that defensive side. You lose eleven guys on scholarship. The defensive line is gonna be Levi Anzarike, Josiah Bronson, and then you've got all those redshirt freshmen that are gonna be coming through. And you know they lose Pulu because he's because gradu- he's done mm-hmm. physically. And then mo- most likely they're going to try and do the same thing with the twenty nineteen right. class. Right. So, so, so as all the, they did with the twenty. So all those class. guys we talked about with Greg Biggins, mm-hmm. guys like Fatu Tuatele. You've got uh, Sama Paama. No, you got Sama Paama. You got Jacob Bandis, who right now is the most highly rated uh, player on Washington's two thousand nineteen commit list. Right now, very highly rated kid, number one guy coming out of the opening, which mm-hmm. was really, you know, that's the top of the top. Um, and yeah, you're right. They'll probably Richard all those guys, guys. Out of 18 guys. But now now that I think that the Washington coaches have a much better handle on how to deal with this four-game redshirt stuff, I think they'll probably, I'm not saying they'll try to use a lot those guys a lot earlier, but I think they'll, they'll we'll see them maybe a little earlier. I mean, we'll just see them spread out a little bit more. And maybe guys like Tuatele and Bandis are just going to be that much more prepared and ready to go than some of these other guys. Because as good as a guy like Thule was, he was he was hurt in high school. Mm-hmm. As good as a guy His like senior year, yeah. right? As, as good as a guy like Taki Taimani was, he he he, he was, was an con- offensive guy more than a defensive. Guy. But and 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 he's just always been considered a really raw, ta- super talented prospect, right? He was never considered this finished product coming out of high school mm-hmm. like some and of these Mosiah. other guys. And Mosiah, Mosiah is obviously probably the rawest piece of clay. Mm-hmm. If we, you know, and, but, oh, but you his, watch that guy's film. Oh, oh yeah, he's gonna be good. Well, and he's gained a lot. He's gained a lot of weight. Put on a lot of muscle in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Draco Bynum, the guy we never talk about. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what they're gonna try to do with him. I haven't. I haven't heard anything. For those that might be wondering, I updated all of the twenty uh, eighteen guys, the guys who are freshmen this year, right. I updated them on our message boards, but you can go get to it from our from a link on our front page, and um, I I would go and look at that because that's about as comprehensive as I think you're going to get yeah. on uh, true freshmen and what we're hearing. Right. Oh no, absolutely, and it's great. You did a great job of breaking it down, um, kind of giving a comprehensive look based on the things that we've been hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but and- people need to remember this is what we're hearing. Right, right, right. It doesn't mean we know for sure, and it doesn't mean that's necessarily what the coaches think. And to remind people that you know maybe don't understand, we we're not allowed as the reporters or media, we're not allowed to go into practices during the season, mm-hmm. and we're we, not complaining about that. But no, that's no, no, just no, no, no. We, that's the way it's always been. It's the way it's been since I started doing this, you know, almost twenty years ago. It's a situation where we get a lot of access during spring and fall ball. 
But once the season starts, we only get to talk to the players and coaches after practices. We do not. We are not allowed to go out and watch from the stands or do any of that kind of stuff. So for us to try to glean information on how the redshirt freshmen or, or the guys that are on a redshirt red track, shirting, yeah. uh, how they're doing, it, there's just no way of knowing. So we have to rely on the people in the program and the people that we know that have seen these guys either firsthand or what have you to, to get an accurate idea of how they're developing. And that's and that's what you put together on on, uh, on the recruiting board. Or yeah. not the recruiting board, no, but it's on, on the football, our, yeah, the football, football board. board. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if you guys want a more comprehensive on those guys, go ahead and go to our front page. By the way, you can still sign up. I think they still have a seven-day free trial, right? Absolutely. So Always. you still have a seven-day free trial. Just go to dogman.com, D-A-W-G-M-A-N.com. And uh, we'll be happy to get you in there real quick, Fetters. Yep. Um, I want to. I just want to wrap this up because we only got about uh, two minutes. You want to talk about special teams? No, no, no. I don't <laughs> want to talk about that. Okay. So, um, but in the secondary, I think your starters are probably. Let's let's just oh, assume sure. the guys I think are going for sure. Go. Um, so I think Keith Taylor is one of your starters. Yep. Um, I honestly think Elijah Molden is going to stay inside. And battle Miles Bryant for that. I think that, that's a that that's other a, job. I would agree with that take. Yep. And then I think I really do think that either uh, Kyler Gordon or um, Dominic Hampton no. will be your starter on the other side. Okay, from Keith Taylor. Okay, I could see that. I could see that for yeah. sure. Um, you know, and then obviously we don't know all the guys. I mean, do, I don't know if the, if if Jimmy Lake's going to take one more guy for this particular class. I think they'd like um, to, but it, only if it's the right guy. You know, now Cameron Fabukalanen, who's the 2019 yeah. kid, it, it, will he be ready to go? Could he play as a true freshman? I I don't think they would want that to happen. Mm-hmm. But he's he's certainly big enough. I mean, he's what legitimate six one. He's length. He's got he's length. got length, yeah. and 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 that's what they look for nowadays. Um, you know, the other two guys are Cameron Williams, who we talked about, Asa Turner, yeah. who we talked about. Those are both safety prospects. Yeah. And um, and Turner could grow himself into outside linebacker. And again, yeah. depending on what Miles Bryant does, you know, they may want to still stick Miles Bryant outside and have a, have Ugh. Molden and Taylor as those Jeez. two corners. Oh, you mean stick him inside and mold and just have him back as the nickel because that's usually they wouldn't want to put him outside full time. I don't think inside is where he. Yeah, DJ Beavers gets healthy. I think Wellington and Beavers are your starters with MJ Tafisi and and Jacob or uh, Jackson Sermon. Uh, Jackson Um, Sermon is a little intriguing to me. Uh, we're going to wrap this up and hand it off to Westwood One. Dylan, thanks for uh, coming in. We really appreciate it. Thanks, um, guys. We, we just love having having you in here. You're always really good to us. Thank you to Greg Biggins for coming on with us. If you guys want to get on the Dogman uh, newsletter, we'd love to uh, enter you into it. We don't send spam or anything like that. We just send that out with direct links to all of our content. Just send an email to huskystadium at gmail.com. Put in the subject line newsletter, and we'll get you added to our list. Thank you for listening today. We'll be on on Wednesday from 7 to 8 p.m. Once again, Dylan, thanks for Chris Fetters and myself. You're listening to the guys from dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you, cuz with the birds I'll share.